You're listening to Thunder Quack Podcast Network. There has been an awakening. Have you felt it? You are listening to Star Wars The Saga Continues. Your hosts, Kyle Avery and Tim Jirasi, are scouring the holonet for news and bringing you all of the latest updates on the future of the Star Wars universe. And the future is bright indeed, so we invite you to join us on this exciting journey as the saga continues. Always in motion is the future. This is just the beginning. You'll find out full of surprises. Not over yet. No, there is another. Chewie, we're home. Hey there, Star Wars fans, and welcome back to Star Wars The Saga Continues, your podcast for all the latest news and rumors on Star Wars Episode Eight: The Last Jedi, uh, as well as Star Wars Rebels, Star Wars Battlefront Two, Star Wars the as-yet-untitled Han Solo Star Wars story, all that good stuff. But, of course, this week we're here to talk about Star Wars Celebration and all the big news that came out of there. Um, so, obviously, we've got a lot of exciting stuff to dive into, so much so that we're going to split up our Celebration coverage into two episodes. Um, the first of which uh, we're mostly going to be talking about The Last Jedi and Rebels. Um, but as always, I'm your host, Kyle, and I've got my co-host, Tim, with me. How's it going, Tim? Hey, what's up, Kyle? Boy, what a great last few days it's been for Star Wars with Celebration Orlando. It definitely lived up to, at least for me, most of the expectations I've had being excited for all the news we got. It's kind of one of those things where you know how when you look forward to something, like we ask, is it this date yet? Is it this date yet? You could say that for tons of stuff that we got at Celebration Orlando. So much good stuff coming up this year for Star Wars. So it was awesome. Yeah. I can't wait to talk about it. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I'm excited to talk about The Last Jedi and Rebels on this episode, obviously, but I also really can't wait till next week when we get to talk Battlefront 2. Um, we could probably fill up a whole two to three hour episode just talking about that, but we'll have more stuff to talk about on that episode as well. Um, but obviously, you know, the last time there was a Star Wars celebration, you know, you and I were lucky enough to both be able to go, and that was a ton of fun. Uh, this year we weren't able to be there, which, as we discovered, has its perks because, like, for one thing, you don't have to wait in line for hours just to get into one panel. Uh, you also get internet coverage, so we could... St- you know, keep up with the live stream and Twitter and probably found out more uh, bits of news than people who were actually there at Celebration. Um, But at the same time, there's still nothing like being there in person and just getting to experience the atmosphere and, uh, you know, all that fun stuff that comes along with it. So that being said, we had to uh, bring in a couple of guest stars for these episodes, uh, friends of ours who were on the ground and uh, can give us some firsthand accounts of what was going on. Uh, so for this episode, we're bringing in uh, Chirrut on board the U-Wing along with our uh, Cassian and K2 in the pilot seat. Uh, Jason Hunt, <laughs> welcome back from Celebration. How's it going? Are you kidding me? I am blind. 
<laughs> oh, it's I'm doing great actually. Uh, I, I managed to avoid the con crud um, that everyone's passing around uh, outside of celebrations, so that's good. Um, I'm still recovering, uh, you know, physically because it's just been an exhausting weekend. It was amazing, um, and I'm a little bit jealous of you for getting all the news without any of the lines. Um, but I, I, there's nothing like you said. There's nothing like being at celebration when this stuff is going down. So I had a blast, and I can't wait to talk about it. So thank you for having me on. Well, thanks for joining us. Um, and before we jump into talking about the last Jedi trailer and all that good stuff, um, why don't you just give us some, you know, general impressions of what it was like, uh, you know, maybe this year compared to some of the other years that we've been to celebration and. Uh, you know, maybe if you've got an interesting story or two that you want to share about something cool that you got to do there. Uh, yeah, sure. Um, well, uh, for starters, and I haven't seen any official numbers yet, uh, but this looks to be the biggest celebration to date. Yeah, and um, that's what I heard. I, I think they did release some official info today. I didn't see exact numbers, but I heard that they did specifically say this was the biggest one yet. It, I'm not surprised. Um it's just the amount of people that were there, I don't think they were anticipating, uh, which they should have. But uh, still, it was just there was an enormous amount of people. And normally, um, when you were on the exhibition floor and moving around the convention center, it didn't really uh, it wasn't really a big deal because there was so there's so much space at the Orange County Convention Center. There's a lot more space um, for the floors. Uh, and the just moving around the convention center than there was at Anaheim. Uh, so that's pretty nice. The problem is the uh, the large panel rooms uh, for the big panels are smaller in Orlando than they were in Anaheim. Uh. And so, uh, yeah, the, 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 the lines, for, well, let, let me just put it this way. Uh, Thursday was the 40th anniversary uh, panel that they had, which George Lucas surprised everybody by being at, and you'll talk about that next week, but um, it was great. Uh, Kyle, not Kyle, you're Kyle, uh, Carl and I uh, were getting ready to leave our hotel to go get in line for that. We were finishing breakfast around 8 o'clock, and we got word that they had capped the lines for the overflow rooms <laughs> already. Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, yeah, that was a problem. Um, and the line situation on Thursday was a disaster. It was a nightmare. It was almost worse than Anaheim. Um, seen people on Twitter talking about it. I was like, oh man, they definitely seemed like they weren't preparing for this as well as they should have. Just no, no, they weren't. Um, the, it got bad. It was bad enough on Thursday, uh, that apparently there was a two and a half hour wait to get in the door. Uh, when they when the convention center technically opened, when the the cele celebration was technically open, uh, it was a two and a half hour wait to get in the door. Um, I was in line much earlier, so I got inside. Um, that being said, we ended up watching the 40th anniversary panel on my phone in the hallway outside the media room because <laughs> that was where the best internet was. Um, but uh, I heard that some higher-ups from Disney showed up about midday on Thursday, chewed out the Reed Pop people, and things, <laughs> wow. were, and things were definitely moving a lot smoother uh, for the rest of the weekend. Interesting. Um, yes. So uh, there was <laughs> – and from what I understand, Reed Pop, is, this is their last uh, year of their contract with uh, Celebration, 
And um, I don't think there are plans to renew their contract. I think Disney's going to take it back over. And um, if that is the case, they know how to do lines. Um, as if anyone who has been uh, to a Disney theme park knows, um, they understand how to do that. So I, I think um, should Disney take over and actually run it themselves, we'll have a lot better line situation next celebration even if there are as many people as there were this time that's so. true because actually yeah i think reed pop has been doing it since before the disney buyout right yeah they, they yeah. were doing it um back in celebration six when it was in orlando last right. time right uh, and uh it was funny uh, i one of the things i did was i got a photo op and autograph with uh, vanessa marshall from star wars rebels you know harris and doula uh, which was great. Oh, by the way, I also got a photo op with Hayden Christensen. Um, that was amazing. Uh, nice. Guy hasn't aged a day, by the way. He I know, doesn't look like it. <laughs> he's He still looks as young and gorgeous as ever. And I'm like, geez, I have aged so much in the last 15 years. Uh, <laughs> and you are still as fresh as a daisy. What's wrong with this picture? Um, anyway, um, that being said. Yeah, I well, was I mean, line. he was already on the other side of puberty 15 years ago. We weren't. So, yeah, you know. That. I'm, gl I'm uh, glad I don't look the same as I did 15 years ago. Let's put it that way. <laughs> true, true. Uh, I will I will agree with that. Um, the the interesting thing was, is when I was, after I got my photo op with Vanessa Marshall, I was in line for the autograph, and I got to talking with one of the, uh, the gals in line behind me, and she actually works at one of the Disney parks. And she told me that they were bringing some of the uh, Disney employees over to Celebration to act as, like, cashiers and things like that. Um, and she told me that when all the craziness was going down on Thursday, um, all the Disney employees were kind of mumbling and grumbling to themselves saying, just put us in charge. We'll fix this. So, uh, but they didn't say that out loud. Which sounds step like, on any some, yeah, that sounds like something my sister would say. She works at Disneyland. Yeah. <laughs> so... Um, <laughs> So, yeah, so, I mean, Reed Pop has done a fine job for Celebration the last several years. Uh, they're not prepared to deal with the convention of the size that Celebration looks to be from here on out. Um, and so I think it moving back into the hands of Disney, if that is indeed where it ends up, um, is probably the best thing for the organizational aspect of Celebration. Um than anything else so um hopefully hopefully next time in 2019 wherever that ends up being whichever disney uh location that ends up being <laughs> anaheim yeah. or orlando um hopefully we'll, anaheim, we won't yeah. be complaining about the lines so much other than the fact that oh there's just a lot of people mm -hmm. um so yeah interesting but, like i i did hear some stuff about that um like i i think at the end of the day on thursday i saw the yeah, maybe on like starwars.com or on their Twitter page or something, they posted like an apology for, you know, how the lines were run that day and saying they were working towards, you know, creating, having a, a smoother experience for the rest of the weekend. And I was like, oh, I wonder what's going on there. Um, yeah, it was, it was a nightmare. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, like I said, at that point, I was kind of thinking like, oh, well, you know, maybe it's not so bad that I just have to sit home and watch the live stream. I'm not pressed in amongst a mass of people. Um, but then, I mean, obviously, I still want to go to the next one anyways, um, especially oh, like yeah. by the time the next one rolls around, I'll be married and, you know, my, my fiance wants to go, my sister wants to go, and they're both big Star Wars fans, especially my sister Kayla, who, like I said, works at Disneyland, and she's a huge, you know, Disney nerd and Star Wars nerd and stuff, and we've been talking about trying to go to one together. Um, 
and you know so i want to go with them anyways but really what got me was the um I mean, aside from the the feeling of having been there before and knowing what it's like seeing a new Star Wars trailer for the first time on a big screen surrounded by thousands of other fans who are as crazy as you are, like that <laughs> oh, alone yeah. is worth the price of admission. But oh, yeah. also, um, man, just that uh, the closing reel that they showed um, like at the at the uh. closing ceremonies um, and just sort of the highlight recap reel from the whole celebration weekend. You know, if you guys haven't seen that yet, uh, definitely go check it out. And I'm not talking to you know YouTube, but or for the listeners out there. Um, cause you know, if you're like me, you might've just been skipping to the, you know, the last Jedi trailers and the battlefront trailers and all that kind of stuff. And I still haven't caught up on like every announcement and every video and stuff and every piece of coverage that came out from celebration. But, um, you know, I, I watched that, uh, closing highlight reel and was glad I did. Cause that will tug on your heartstrings and make you be uh, like, yeah, no, I just I... love being a star Wars fan. And I just want to be there with all the other star Wars fans. Watching that video uh, from home, I was, you know, and having been there, uh, yeah, definitely, I was getting a little weepy, not going to lie. <laughs> so, uh, but yeah, no, Celebration was amazing. There's a whole bunch of fun stuff that I got to do. Lines, line issues aside, um, it was a great convention. So many people uh, got to meet up and uh, with so many old friends, meet so many new friends. Uh, like I said, get the photo op with Hayden Christensen and the... Uh, and uh, Vanessa Marshall, so that was great. Um, I kind of think that's my new thing now. Um, <laughs> so, um, what photo ops or Vanessa Marshall? Photo ops. <laughs> uh, but it was I got a nice little you know ten second conversation with Vanessa Marshall when I got you know the autograph. So you know you know how those things work. Yeah. Um, but yeah, no, it was it was great. I had a, a great time. You know, obviously seeing all the costumes are amazing. Uh, just wandering the exhibition floor, uh, running into people that you've seen throughout the convention over and over again is it's 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 a fun thing. Um, but of course, it's it's the people that make the the experience. You know, old friends, new friends, mm-hmm. uh, friends long gone. Um, you know, so it, it it's 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 a great experience, and I wouldn't miss it for the world. So. Yeah, that's awesome. That's good to hear because, I mean, like I said, I know it would still be awesome regardless. I still wish I could be there, but I would see, you know, on people commenting on stuff that was getting posted throughout the weekend and, uh, you know, they post a video of a panel or something and everybody would be commenting on it going, oh, man, I wish I could have been there. That would be so cool to see. And then people who were at the convention would comment on it be like, no, really, you're better off at home because these lines are terrible. And I'm like, man, it can't be that bad. Uh, it was bad. Yeah. I mean, I'm um, sure it was I'm, bad, but, you know, bad enough that you wish you were watching it at home. Eh. No. I, I'm glad you didn't feel that way because I don't think I would have felt that way. Yeah. Well, probably for those who waited in line like at 5 a.m. in the morning and still didn't get in <laughs> and slept overnight. That's I think the people who probably have the most issues. That, with that. is <laughs> true. That is true. Yeah. And I would probably be pretty mad about that. I mean, I remember seeing some videos or pictures or whatever of like the line for the last Jedi trailer on like Thursday night um, or, you know, for to get into that panel, which was yeah. Friday morning. And it was like, you know, Thursday evening, like the sun hadn't even gone down yet. And the line was already, you know, out the door, around the block, down the corner. Like I couldn't tell how long it was, but it was long enough that I'm like, man, people are going to get in that line, you know, later that night or really early in the morning and not be able to get in. And they're probably not going to be happy. Uh, I can attest to that. Yes. Um, <laughs> Carl and I got up. Uh, we left our hotel at five o'clock in the morning. We got to the convention center about five thirty. 
uh, with the hopes of getting into one of the overflow rooms for the uh, Last Jedi panel, uh, they ran out of wristbands about 60 to 100 people ahead of us. Oh, man. We were two-thirds of the way down the final row to get wristbands, and then they just sort of opened up all the different line, you know, all the different ends of the lines uh, that was snaking back and forth and just said, we have no more, goodbye. And, yeah, so that's when we decided we were going to go watch it at the uh, StarWars.com live stage with about 8,000 of our closest friends. That was uh, getting really close to people that you didn't know. Um, (laughs) Yeah, well, Star Wars brings people together. (laughs) <laughs> in more ways than one. <laughs> um, How cool is it though for those actually, you know, inside the convention center waiting in line where Ryan Johnson went there and pretty much spent four hours talking and like or chatting with people, taking pictures of them throughout that whole line. That was mm-hmm. pretty cool. That was that really was cool. that was really neat. Yeah, that was really nice of him. I mean, for those of you guys who maybe haven't heard the story, yeah, Ryan Johnson on Thursday night as people were camping out in line overnight and everything, you know. Um, he went through the line at, you know, I don't know, 10 o'clock or midnight or whatever, um, through at least the portion of the line that was inside and, you know, filling up the queue hall or whatever. And, you know, not only like spent time with the fans, but he literally like went up and down every row and like talked to every yeah. person and would either, you know, just like have a short conversation with you or take a selfie or give you a handshake or sign something for you or whatever. Um, which is really cool to see. I mean, it's like these Star Wars directors are trying to one-up each other because, you know, last time J.J. <laughs> Abrams just brought pizza <laughs> yeah. for everybody, which, um, you know, was really cool. I'm like, honestly, at 2 o'clock in the morning, would I rather get to meet somebody or would I rather just have them buy me pizza? That's a tough question. But, um, <laughs> no, it was <laughs> it was really cool. that I mean, Ryan Johnson was there for, you know, I don't know, four hours or something. Um and really, you know, taking the time to go and, and talk with every one of those fans really just shows, uh, you know, dedication and, and gratefulness on his part. Because, I mean, yeah, it's one thing to just show up and say hi and and bring people food. And not to knock J.J. Abrams. I mean, I think that was awesome that he did that. Because with him being the first one, like, you know, people weren't expecting even that. Um, but Ryan Johnson could have easily just been like, hey, J.J. brought you guys pizza, so I'll bring you pizza too. Or tacos or mcdonald's or something but um you know i I think he really obviously went out of his way to um to be personable uh and interact with people and it wasn't just him trying to make himself look good it's like you know i'm sure when you're making directing a movie like star wars you feel the eyes of millions of people on you and i'm sure it's a lot of pressure but also you know a really cool privilege that so many people love this stuff so much and you get to be the one making it and you know at the end of the day like if you make a good product people are going to be singing your praises and you know and looking up to you and stuff and so to uh you know reach out and and connect with all those people and say hey thanks for your support and for uh you know putting as much love and support into this franchise as you do i think that was really cool of them yeah, I agree. Is on Colin Trevorrow now to see what he's going to do for celebration. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> now he has to like buy a hundred pizzas and deliver them personally to, personally to each person. Deliver in line. donuts to each and every person. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> but um, well, on that note, I think since we're already talking about the uh, the lines the night before the episode eight panel, let's just jump right into it. Um, 
you know, after all the talk and all the speculation and, uh, you know, wanting to get our first glimpse at it, uh, we finally got our first official look at Star Wars Episode Eight: The Last Jedi. Um, so let's just dive right in and uh, talk about these trailers, talk about the trailer. Um, I don't know which one of you guys wants to go first. Let's just talk, you know, general impressions. How'd you feel? What'd you, what stood out? Would you like, I won't say what you dislike because I, I don't know that there's going to be any of that in there but <laughs> i'll throw it out as an option <laughs> um go, go for it jason since you're the guest okay uh i thought it was a gorgeous looking trailer um i was not necessarily completely blown away by the the content of it um it's intriguing as all get out don't get me wrong um, and the the closing dialogue of Luke's at the end of this trailer, um, what is he talking about? And don't you dare take my Jedi away from me, because that's my thing, um, you know. <laughs> but uh, but um, but yeah, no, it, it, we definitely got a sense of the tone of the look of this movie um, with this trailer. But uh, of course, this is more like like the teaser that we got um, Black Friday, right? You know, the, the year plus before Force Awakens. This isn't like a full trailer. This is the teaser. Um, and so there's not much to it um, mm-hmm. in a sense. I mean, we get a lot of stuff about, you know, Ray training, which we already knew was going to happen. There's a lot of, you know, quick shots of this or that and the other thing. Um, my The thing I will say, though, is that Every frame of this trailer uh, could be an art piece. Yeah, it's it's that the it looks that gorgeous. So every single frame of this trailer uh, looks amazing. I love the fact that we're gonna actually see a an actual space battle. Um, you know, there were those two quick shots of a space battle, so I'm excited about that. Mm-hmm. Uh, the fact that that Luke is talking about, you know, it's time for the Jedi to end is the big question mark. And the big question mark is, you know, obviously how literal are they being with this, with the, you know, title of the movie being the last Jedi, um, or are they, you know, cutting off, you know, part of a line of dialogue of which there's a lot more to, or are they taking it out of context in order to pique our interest? You know, what exactly is going on there? Um, Overall, I think it was a good teaser, a good, you know, trailer. Um, like I said, not completely blown away, but I'm definitely intrigued and I'm eagerly awaiting the next one. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I think um, and, and, you know, Tim, I'll let you give your uh, impressions before I kind of give my full thoughts on this. I mean, first of all, obviously, that last line, definitely a huge tease and, you know, the clearly the biggest thing you know, discussion point that people have been talking about ever since this trailer came out. So we'll save a more in-depth discussion about that for a little bit later after we talk about just general impressions and stuff. Um, I agree. It's completely gorgeous looking, uh, lots of cool stuff in there. And yeah, it it is more of a teaser trailer. I would even say that it's, I mean, to me, it seemed more akin to like the Force Awakens trailer that we got um, at Celebration Anaheim. Like, because that even was still you know, not quite a full trailer. Like it didn't, it was a teaser in the sense that it didn't reveal anything about the story, um, which is kind of the same thing here, aside from that line of dialogue from Luke um, and the fact that we know he's going to be training Ray, but it still is just kind of a a 
brief montage of places and, you know, people and things that we're going to see in the movie, but doesn't really tell you much about the story or anything like that. So, um, but yeah, Tim, why don't you uh, go ahead and tell us what you thought and then I'll uh, follow up with some more thoughts there. Yeah, I loved it. I thought it did its job what it was supposed to do as far as, you know, just being a good teaser that got you excited for the next chapter in the Star Wars saga. And I agree, it didn't have quite the same like punch or impact that The Force Awakens did. And I was kind of going into it expecting that it wouldn't because what's going to, you know, top that for being your first, first look at a new Star Wars movie that, first off, you didn't think you were going to get and that it's been 10 years since the last one. So I just went in knowing that this trailer for or teaser for the last jedi wasn't going to be quite as impactful as the those four early force awakens were but well I and think... i mean what what trailer can can beat chewy we're home i mean exactly. really yeah, yeah exactly <laughs> so that's kind of some of the criticism i've heard about this trailer too where you know it didn't have that chewy we're home moment and it, that's my response to that is yeah what can be on that level that we got at celebration anaheim so it's kind of where you have to go into it not expecting that but I did love what I saw on this. Like you guys said, it looks gorgeous and it showcased what I was hoping for in not only just the trailer, but episode eight in general, the training of Luke and Ray and just the visuals we got on act two looks so cool. And I just, one of my favorite parts of it, what I wasn't expecting to see in the trailer, but I was hoping to see in the movie is, you know, new aspects of the force that I think we're going to get. And we got a little tease of that in that sequence where Ray's talking and you see those books on there and she, you see her hand go on one, which has the classic Jedi logo on there, which, you know, was awesome to see. Mm-hmm. I don't think we've really gotten a really like close up shot of that Jedi logo in any of the prequels. Maybe I'm wrong, but nothing where, you know, you definitely know what it is like we saw in this teaser trailer. So I love that. And then just visually, like you guys said, the space battles was cool. And then the new planet where we're going to get a pretty cool action sequence, it looks like, which I believe is revealed to be called Crate. And we had uh, read rumors about that I think, from making Star Wars on previous episodes, where it was described as kind of like a planet that was like Mars, but there was white sand or the landscape on it was white, but it wasn't quite snow. And that's what that planet turned out looking like. And it was a shot where you can see some walkers in the in the distance. And I was trying to see if any of them resembled those like gorilla type walkers. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, <laughs> they're too far off in the distance to see if they're gorilla walkers. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, um, I, I thought it was I, cool. I've not read I, making Star Wars dot com is basically a block side of my computer. <laughs> oh, yeah. So, <laughs> yeah, uh, we got to be careful what we say with DJs. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, they just but had yeah, some what... some rumor descriptions of some modified ATATs that they described as looking like a gorilla, and I'm like, I'm all for upgraded heavy duty walkers. I just hope they don't take the whole gorilla thing too literally. You don't want them to stand up on their hind legs and beat their chests? Uh, no, <laughs> no. Okay, gotcha. Although we had a whole tangent about that on our last episode about how we could have. Uh, what was it, like the Zillow Beast versus uh, the King Kong AT-ATs. <laughs> One of the standalone movies coming up. Just yeah. <laughs> gotcha. Uh, funny what you were talking about, you know, reading rumors and all that. That's kind of one of the things that gets me excited when I see these trailers, when I do read some of those rumors and then you see it uh, on screen as you're watching it. Uh, that's just a cool feeling, knowing kind of like when you picture stuff in your head of what it could be and then you see it and it looks really cool. That's part of the stuff that gets me excited when I see these teasers and 
this one had it with showing that new planet on there. So that was cool. And possibly, just possibly, we might be seeing Captain Phasma in an action sequence. <laughs> we see her leading <laughs> some stormtroopers amongst, it looks like they're attacking the resistance base and there's like fire and debris everywhere. And you just see her marching in with some stormtroopers. And again, she's just marching. We didn't see her fire a blaster, but that's more than anything we got in The Force Awakens <laughs> with her in a type of battle scenario. So we're getting closer to hopefully seeing her in action. But yeah, and then, I mean, what else is there? Like you said, we're going to get into it more later, but that last line of dialogue by Luke, that's the big takeaway from the trailer, and probably more so than anything I saw. When I heard that, I was like, oh, man, like, oh, oh shoot. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. what is that about? What does that mean? That, that's kind of what made the trailer. It's what got me excited more about The Last Jedi is just hearing that line of dialogue because there's just so many different ways you can look at it and speculate on what it can mean. So that thought, you know how trailers were just talking about the Chewie were home. They have that money shot to end it to get you excited on. While visually it wasn't anything too exciting, the but when you hear that dialogue, it kind of had left me with that same feeling of just, you know, excitement of, and wonder of what it could possibly be and how you just can't wait to see and just find out more just by that one line of dialogue. So, yeah, I thought it did a good job in teasing us for what's to come in The Last Jedi, which, you know, it was supposed to do. So I thought it was great. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I like just like the structure of it and the way they put this together because just sort of in the way it was constructed and and the look of some of the shots and stuff it like i said it to me seemed very similar to um the force awakens teaser that we got at celebration anaheim um even to the point where in that one you have luke saying you know the force is strong in my family my father has it i have it my sister has it and as he's saying each one of those things you see like three different scenes um and it was kind of the same thing in this one where luke says uh you know close your eyes just breathe what do you see and ray says light darkness and balance between the two and on you know each time she says one of those you see like three different shots um so i thought that was you know purposefully like constructed to kind of make all these star wars trailers feel like they're you know all part of the same movie franchise um but at the same time it also had a decidedly different tone particularly on that last shot because yeah you're not going to be able to top that Chewie were home as far as just crowd pleasing uh you know cheer worthy moments um to you know to get you excited to get the fans hyped up i mean seeing that you know all of us sitting together at celebration anaheim and watching that for the first time and the whole room just going ballistic like I will never forget that feeling because I've never seen 2000 grown adults absolutely lose their minds like that over, you know, a movie trailer, but like it's Han and Chewie. How could you not go crazy? Um, And so, yeah, I don't think they could have topped this at all in terms of like, you know, rousing crowd pleasing moments. And so instead they go for sort of the more jaw dropping, intriguing. Oh, what does this mean? I want to find out more. And I think they absolutely nailed it with that line. Um, but just some other things in the trailer that I wanted to mention, uh, first of all, and I'm kind of scrubbing through the shots here and, you know, there were a few things that, you know, that just caught my notice that I wanted to bring up, uh, the smashed Kylo Ren helmet. I'm like, man, I love that helmet. Why'd they have to do that? (laughs) (laughs) But I'm also, I think uh, Kyle's going to be crushed when he sees that. (laughs) Yeah. But at the same time, see, now I know how you feel, Tim. I mean, 
your phasma got thrown down a trash compactor and now my kylo's helmet <laughs> is trashed so um but the question is did he do it himself or did something happen part that, of thinks he did it himself yeah that was oh, my big... i think he i that... think he did it himself he's uh i feel like he's going to be moving into more of an identity of who kylo ren is on his own now and he's going to i you know there's all the rumors that uh hayden christensen is coming back to be the force ghost of anakin um and i wonder if he's going to have an interaction with force ghost anakin and he's going to get mad at anakin for telling him he's doing it wrong and he's going to smash the helmet in order to move farther away from darth vader possibly see i man i've got so many speculations just on this i'm like i definitely don't think that this was destroyed by like ray or luke or anything i i think this was uh you know an inside job if you will um basically i i think either snoke could have destroyed it to punish him for his failure in the force awakens um but i also definitely think it's a possibility that kylo could have destroyed it himself and i'm like is it yeah is it because he found out that you know, maybe he's finding out for the first time that Darth Vader isn't the idol that he thought he was that he uh you know ended up turning back to the light side um but I don't know that just his helmet is representative of that because I mean his whole identity and his whole reason for turning towards the dark side as far as we know so far seems like it's built around man I want to finish what my grandfather started I want to you know live up to the legacy of Darth Vader and I mean obviously he's got his own personal issues and his his issues with his parents and whatnot but um I mean I don't think smashing his helmet is going to be like well I'm not Darth Vader anymore um you know, he still dresses in all black and has a red lightsaber and is Darth Vader's grandson and is a Star Wars villain. So there's still going to be those ties there. Um, but then also, you know, I mean, does he just do it out of anger at his own failure in the last movie? I'm also wondering, like, is there still some internal conflict there? Is this just a way of him lashing out, like, you know, in a, in a sort of conflicted way, like... Um, you know, maybe he has some remorse over killing Han Solo or maybe, you know, it didn't bring him as much satisfaction or as much of a feeling of like dark power as he thought it would. Um, but yeah, I, I do think, you know, either way, if if this was Kylo that destroyed it, you know, it probably has something to do with him trying to, I don't know, move in a different direction, whether it be back towards the light side or further down the dark side or, you know, whatever. Um but, you know, maybe just trying to destroy that part of himself or just, you know, lashing out in anger, um, getting mad and slamming his helmet on the floor with the force so hard that it breaks. And then five minutes later, he's like, dang it, I needed that. Oh, well, um, <laughs> as long as he gets another one, <laughs> he has to have another cool mask. Yeah, I I hope so. But um, I don't know. Yeah, maybe they're trying to move away from that. Um, you know, it'd be the best scenario. He breaks his mask and he goes, you know what? Phasma has a pretty cool story. Let's see what she recommends. <laughs> then she goes, do you know what? There was this division in the Empire called the Death Troopers. And, <laughs> and he has a Death Trooper helmet. <laughs> now we're just getting silly. Uh, yeah, this is this is the kind of stuff Tim dreams about at night. <laughs> Kylo and Phasma teaming happened. Kylo and Phasma teaming up together and Kylo wearing a Death Trooper helmet. <laughs> Oh man! And them going on a mission that involves resurrecting dead clone troopers. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um. So anyway, I mean, after that, you know, obviously the next real big intriguing thing, like you said, Tim, that shot of, uh, 
this, you know, bookshelf or whatever with, you know, some ancient looking books on it. And then we see, I don't even know if this is, I can't tell if it's Ray or Luke or, you know, you just see like a gloved hand that's wiping some dust off of this and it's got the Jedi logo on it. Um, but when I first saw the shot, I thought, I thought it was another treasure chest actually, kind of like where Nas had Luke's lightsaber in. I was like, oh, is that where they're still keeping Luke's lightsaber in there for the time being? Is there something else in there? But on another view, I'm like, oh no, that's a bunch of books like yeah. on the shelf. So which is much cooler. Yeah, and it's got, you know, a beam of light shining on it. Also, just the look of this, I don't know if it's part of a tree or if it's just, I mean, it obviously looks like some kind of wood thing, but it's kind of growing out in this weird pattern that looks very Bendu-ish. Yes, it does. It does. It does. And uh, um, you, Kyle, know in particular how much I love the Bendu. Yeah. Um, These... It's great. Well, of it's course, because he's voiced by your favorite doctor from Doctor Who. But well, that that doesn't hurt <laughs> at all. But um, but yeah, I mean, he's a to the dark. I'm the one in the middle. Yeah, the Bendu. Well, and I mean, we'll talk about that more in a sec. But I mean, maybe Luke is trying to be the one in the middle now. Maybe Bendu was onto something. Um, maybe. But yeah, I mean, obviously, I don't think that Bendu is going to come back in this movie or something. But just the fact that the design, you know, is reminiscent of that um, in this shot where they're talking about the Force, and obviously, this is going to have some ties to you know ancient Jedi lore and all that kind of stuff. And man, I'm just so excited to dive into I mean, whatever they're going to um, explore here in terms of you know Jedi history and their teachings and all yeah. that kind of stuff. I mean, that's something that we've never really gotten into in in a Star Wars movie before. I mean, it's something that's always been a yep. huge part of the expanded universe, whether it be, you know, Knights of the Old Republic or, you know, various different novels or comics or whatever. But, um, yeah, and I've said this before, but I'm just dying to learn the origin of the Jedi, like the first establishment of like, what if it was the first Jedi, the first order, not the first order, but the first Jedi order that was established. And part of me thinks we're going to get that, just by this footage we're getting, maybe that book that we're seeing is going to tell that history. And that just going back to the title too, and how, you know, it's signifying that Luke is going to be the last Jedi. But part of me thinks too, we might have to learn who the first Jedi was also, or just the mm -hmm. history and where it all came from. So and it looks like we just might be getting that with these quick little glimpses we got in this part of the trailer. So yeah, I just can't wait. Yeah. Cause that and, book looks pretty darn old. <laughs> yeah. And uh, by the way, Ryan Johnson did confirm, despite reports that we had heard that like various you know international translations yeah. of the title on posters and stuff, uh, you know, indicated that the Last Jedi was plural. Um, that Ryan Johnson said in his mind it's always been singular, and that Luke is the Last Jedi. Um, yeah, at least as far as the title yes. is referring to. How we actually, you know, wh where they actually go with that in the movie, we'll see. Um, right. But yeah, I mean, then, you know, of course, you've got that gorgeous shot of, you know, Ray on top of the, um, you know, the mountains there on Octo, you know, swinging the lightsaber around. Um, and then this really cool looking shot of whatever these kind of speeder things are on, uh, you know, this planet crate. But I mean, it's just a really cool visual of them, you know, kind of skimming across the surface and kicking up this like red dust behind them. Um, and they've talked about how it's like a mining world. And so... Um, you know, it's rich in minerals. And I, I mean, these are probably some like mining vehicles that have been repurposed as, you know, combat vehicles by the local, you know, resistance faction or whatever. Um, cause they certainly don't look like the kind of ship that you would take into battle against an AT-AT. 
I'm like, are you sure you guys are going to be okay in those things? They look like they're barely holding together. <laughs> they, they do look like B-Wings also, too. Almost like, I don't know, early prototypes or run-down B-Wings. But they had a little bit of that shape, especially in that first part where you see one kind of hitting the ground in our mm-hmm. first look at this planet. So I don't know. That's a little B-Wing feel to me, too, which I'm not going to complain about because <laughs> I think it's about time we see some B-Wings in action. Yeah, I mean, it's got a little B-Wing feel to it. It's got a little World War II fighter plane feel to it. Uh, it also, like I said, has a little feel of just a rickety old mining speeder kind of feel to it. Um, it actually kind of has, I don't know if you guys got this, but it, it kind of gave me a little bit of a Firefly vibe in terms of... Um, well, I mean, something that Star Wars does as well, but just feel, stuff feeling kind of used and worn and old. And, you know, even though it's in space, it's like these are definitely not like shiny new ships. Um, yeah. But, you know, of course, then we see Finn, Poe, BB-8, you know, all our returning characters. Uh, the Falcon getting chased by TIE fighters. Nothing new there. Um by the way, I don't know if you guys noticed this, and there's a close-up shot of Kylo Ren, you know, obviously with his lightsaber clashed with somebody. Um, or I don't know, maybe he's trying to break through a door, but he's just, like, twisting it. Um, but he's got a scar now over his face, obviously, um, from, you know, his last duel with Rey that didn't go so well at the end of The Force Awakens. It looks like they might have placed that differently. I don't yeah, know if I, you guys caught that, but it looks like it's just going, like, right over his eye, whereas I'm pretty sure when she slashed him at the end of the movie, it was going, like, right across, like, the bridge of his nose. Yeah, I'd have to go back and take a look. I've heard people say that, something similar to that, but I, I'd have to go back and take a look. And who knows, perhaps this is, you know, an early shot that they just put in the trailer and they'll fix that in post, you know. That's true. <laughs> they can always, you know. I mean, if you watch the behind-the-scenes stuff for The Force Awakens... Leia's hairstyle is completely different like that they shot the entire time and like so I'm pretty sure she just has digital hair in the movie if they can do that I'm pretty sure they can you know fix a scar well it's funny because actually yeah. it might have been today or a few days ago where Ryan Johnson was actually having a Twitter discussion about that because someone asked him you know why is it different you know like you said it was over his nose and I think he actually said where it was a conscious change where he thought that scar looked like a little bit silly that he originally mm-hmm. had in The Force Awakens, so we kind of modified a little bit, just having it going across his eye, which, yeah, for continuity's sake, is going to be a little, you know, off-putting, but I like how it looks better here in this trailer, because it just makes him more like Anakin. Where... Yeah, I was going to say, Anakin yeah. much? Yeah. I... That scar over the eye is a classic Anakin look, and I think it's perfect if they decide to do that for Kylo, too. So yeah. I'm, I'll be happy with the change. <laughs> now I'm just picturing a scene where, like, you know, Kylo's got his helmet on because he thinks it makes him look like Darth Vader. Then he meets Anakin's Force Ghost for the first time. And, you know, he's maybe he's also wearing the helmet because he's like ashamed now and trying to hide the scar. Then he meets Anakin's Force Ghost and sees that he's got the exact same scar and just takes the helmet off. And it's like, yes, I look like my granddad and just smashes the helmet and runs <laughs> off happy. <laughs> you nailed it. That's what the scene's going to be. <laughs> <laughs> and Anakin's like, wait, no, I was going to tell you I also turned good. <laughs> I don't care. I'll get the scar like you. La, 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 la. He goes skipping through the halls. Yep. 
Um, and then it looks like we're also maybe going to get some more flashback material, possibly, because it certainly looks like another yeah. shot from a different angle of Luke with R2. I mean, we can't see that it's Luke. It's a hooded figure, but um, I think probably safe to assume it's Luke looking at a burning, you know, it looks like it definitely could be a Jedi temple. So, um, yeah. you know, like on the one hand, eh, I don't know. We can, I, I'm totally fine with them doing little bits and snippets of like flashback type stuff like they did in the force awakens with you know it just being like force visions and whatnot um and at the same time part of me wants to get like a whole five or ten minute flashback sequence of this just because i want to know everything that happened but then at the same time like you know that's not really the mo with star wars and so i don't want them to suddenly like change up the formula just to fill in the 30 years of backstory when you know they've got plenty of time to tell those other stories but um Either way, definitely intrigued to find out more about what happens here. And then we can skip the next shot because nobody cares about that. Um, and yeah, we'll move uh, into the space battle. Uh, no. uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh, wait, I'm yeah. sorry. I forgot. Uh, no, I'm kidding. Uh, <laughs> I was on that last shot of Luke looking at the temple. And then I heard you talking about it. I go, oh, I think I know where he's going with this. <laughs> hit play again. Like, oh, yep, that's what. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Well, I, I do want to get your take on this, Tim. Um even though these two shots are back to back and you obviously see, you know, Luke looking at the burning temple and then you see Phasma and some stormtroopers walking out of some fiery smoking wreckage. I don't think these two are the same, you know, scene. Um, oh, no, I definitely no. don't think so. Okay, I think yeah. it's right after we see, you know, Poe and BB-8 running to that hangar and the X-Wing mm -hmm. blows up and all that. It's almost like the First Order invading whatever base they're on and then, you see that happen, Poe's X-Wing get blown up, and then you see Phasma and the Stormtroopers kind of making their entrance here. Yeah. yeah. yeah and if you look in the shot, there's the floor is real shiny, and in yeah. the uh, left, the upper left-hand corner, look, you got what looks like the frame of maybe a hangar. Yeah, um, or a big glass there. door or something like that. Yeah, so... Yeah, so I think, you know, it's, it's something where, you know, they, they just put those two shots together in the trailer because they look similar thematically, but I don't think right. Phasma was the one who burned down Luke's temple. Yeah, um, and then of course yeah like we said the the space battle at the end this looks awesome i mean one thing that's already got me excited is we've got some completely new looking uh resistance capital ships um yes. which a was something we didn't see in the force awakens because they just had x-wings and we know the whole republic fleet has been wiped out because if you look carefully when uh you know, the Hosnian system gets destroyed by Starkiller base. Uh, you see some of the old, like, Mon Calamari and other uh, rebel cruisers, um, you know, in orbit above uh, Hosnian Prime, and they get wiped out as soon as the uh, planet gets blown up. Um, so it's cool that they've, you know, got some replacements here and they've got their own fleet. But also, you know, of course, as we've said before, Tim, you know, one of my biggest criticisms with The Force Awakens was, like, you know, as much as I love how it feels like classic Star Wars, the fact that it's 30 years later and the only ships we see are just X-Wings and TIE Fighters and Star Destroyers, I'm like, come on, give us some new stuff. And this is perfect right here. We've got new stuff. It still looks and feels like Star Wars. It doesn't have to be a carbon copy of, you know, what we had before. I mean, it does look reminiscent of some of the other stuff. I mean, you know, even, like, the front of these ships, you know, is kind of reminiscent of, like, almost a b-wing cockpit or even like the millennium falcon cockpit or something well what but... what, it, what it looks like is it looks like somebody took the front half of a nebulon b frigate chopped off the back and uh made a capital ship out of it yeah you can say that too but it 
I don't know. To me, it looks more, it definitely looks more warship-like than those Nebulon frigates ever did. Well, yes. Um, and, and, I mean, it almost looks like a big, giant cockpit with, like, one big wing of an X-wing hanging down or something like that. Um, you know, I'd be interested to see, like, in the visual guide, you know, which fleet company designed it. But, you know, it definitely looks like it comes out of the, kind of the same production line as some of the, you know, classic Rebel Starfighters. But, um, you know, I think it's a pretty cool design. Uh, and obviously, you know, space battles um you can never have too many of those in star wars and you know in the force awakens we got some really cool aerial dogfights and stuff but um you know going back to a, a classic big all-out epic space battle um definitely excited to see how that all plays out um i'm kind of yeah. excited too for what the space battle might entail too where it's not just tie fighters and x-wings but if we can get some really cool battles between you know like some armada ships from both the resistance and the first order kind of similar to what uh, we got a little bit of Revenge of the Sith, where you see the the Republic cruiser and the Invisible Hand Grievous ship go at each other with their cannons and just tear down Grievous' ship. Yeah, we get like more battles between the capital ships. That could be really cool with you know X wings and Tie fighters flying around. Yeah, definitely. Like, kind of looks like in that one shot, these uh, Resistance ships are you know like defending the planet that they're on. Like they have a blockade around it, trying mm -hmm. to prevent I guess the First Order from breaking through. So if we get you know some more. A big battles between these massive capital ships that could be something different and cool to see in a star wars movie because we've always got like teases of it like i said revenge of the sith and very little in return of the jedi but hopefully they go all out here with a battle with these kind of ships in space yeah oh yes yeah definitely i mean in return of the jedi you do kind of see the star destroyers being utilized in the battle but you don't really get a whole lot from the rebel ships aside from them just kind of being you know set pieces or obstacles for exactly. them to have tie fighters crash into um yeah. <laughs> and then of course yeah you get a lot of it in revenge of the sith but you know, I mean, as cool as that space battle is, the focus of it isn't really on the space battle. It's That's just kind of, you know, background set decoration as we're focusing on Anakin and Obi-Wan going to rescue the Chancellor. Um, right. So, yeah, hopefully we get a, a space battle of epic proportions that, uh, you know, just takes time to focus on, you know, the, the cool action going on and the dogfights and everything and utilizes the capital ships to good effect. Also, I think, I forget if it was from the... Um, the episode eight stuff or the battlefront stuff that they were talking about, but somewhere we heard that there's going to be like some new kind of first order starfighter um, that hasn't yeah, been revealed during yet. the battlefront. Panel. Yeah. I, I yeah, was, I was, was that was not during the stuff. episode eight panel. So, well, I knew it wasn't in the panel, but I was, you know, I, I couldn't remember if it was, you know, in an interview or something like that, but yeah, I'm pretty sure you're right, Tim. It was in the um, battlefront panel where they were talking about that um, as something that was going to be included in the game. So obviously if it's, First Order, if it's going to be included in the Battlefront game that's coming out, you know, a month before The Last Jedi, I think it's pretty safe to say that's going to be something we'll see in the movie as well. Um, you know, maybe Kylo trying to copy a little bit of uh, Granddad's old best star pilot in the galaxy skills, too. <laughs> we'll see. We haven't yeah. seen him fly anything yet, so... No, but, you know, I mean, we know... Uh, well, being part of the Skywalker family and also the son of Han Solo, like, how can you not have piloting skills? Yeah. True. You, you would just be a dishonor to your family. Yeah. Dishonor on you. <laughs> dishonor on your space cow. <laughs> I was going to say dishonor on your nerf. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Mulan. Anyway. Um, anyway. Um, and then, of course, the last the last bit from the trailer is that one that's got everyone going, 
what yeah um yeah like i said i mean whereas the the first or the trailer that we got around this time for the force awakens left us all cheering and going yeah and i want to watch that again six more times uh this one just left me going whoa what are they doing here what does this mean (laughs) i want to know more um so of course then that's luke saying you know i only know one truth it's time for the jedi to end um so it it was just great how there was a long pause and i don't know about you guys but i said to myself before i said that it's time for the jedi to come back yeah and I'm like, what? <laughs> the, fir- the first thing I thought of, yeah, because he, he does, he says, it's time for the Jedi and just kind of hangs there. And I, the first thing that thought that, that popped into my mind was return. But then I was like, well, we've already had return of the Jedi. So is, would that be a little too on the nose? Okay, maybe for the Jedi to rise, for the Jedi to come back, for the Jedi to rise up, to fight back, to end? What? <laughs> <laughs> what does this mean? Right. Um, and, you know, like I like I alluded to earlier, it's, you know, the question is, well, what sort of context is this? Are they just taking part of a longer, you know, uh, dialogue uh, just for the trailer to, you know, make us think that something's happening? Because it's not like they've ever done that before. Um, Don't get me started on that. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think this is a big enough thing that it's going to be addressed in the movie. Well, yes, but I mean, it, it's one of those things where, you know, I'm sitting here wondering about this now, you know, and I've had a couple of days to, to think about this a little bit, um, but we had such a big deal with, you know, the original trilogy and the final movie of the original trilogy being called Return of the Jedi and the fact that Luke Skywalker asserts his identity, I am a Jedi like my father before me, and then we get the whole thing about, you know, pass on what you've learned and the whole idea that now it looks like he tried to create a Jedi Order and it failed because we assume Kylo destroyed it. Um, but we don't know that for sure either. Uh, and now we're like, well, two movies later, you know, we had Return of the Jedi. Two movies later, we have The Last Jedi. Does that mean they're going away forever? And why? And if they are, the big question is what takes their place? is because if the Jedi leave, there's a huge vacuum. Mm-hmm. Uh, a huge vacuum, a power vacuum, a, a vacuum in the Force, um, and what takes their place. And does Luke have any plans to be a part of that? Uh, you know, that's the big question. Is if, if we're going to take this at face value, if the Jedi are going to end according to Luke Skywalker, if that is his plan, if that's what's going to actually happen in the movie... What takes their place? What comes after? What is the plan then? You know, and that's the big question that nobody has the answers to uh, at this right. point anyway. Well, the guardians of the wills. Um, mm. No, but I mean, yeah, I, I've got so many questions about this and so many theories and, and speculations, but let's, you know, kind of break it down a little bit. I mean, right out of the gate, well, I'll, I'll dismiss the the least likely theory i think that i've heard from a lot of people kind of jumping to conclusions it's people being like does this mean luke's going to turn to the dark side or does this mean luke you know is is dying or thinks that he's going to die or thinks you know he's just giving up or you know needs to let the jedi die off or whatever i'm like no i don't think so I, i don't think this means he's purposefully going to end the jedi order 
um, you know, like turning to the dark side or, hey, let's go get ourselves killed so there won't be any more Jedi or whatever. Uh, right. No, I, I, I think there's a lot more to it than that. Um, I think maybe one simple answer could be that this is something from very early on in the movie um, where, I mean, maybe when Ray first comes to him, we still don't know what that first interaction is going to be like when it picks up right from where the Force Awakens left off where she's still just standing there holding the lightsaber out to him. But maybe he is reluctant to take it. Maybe he doesn't want to uh, train another Jedi. Maybe he doesn't want to bring the Jedi Order back just because he's seen, uh, you know, I mean, obviously knowing what he knows about the fall of the Jedi Order and all that kind of stuff, but then also the fact that he tried to bring it back and it all came crashing right back down. And maybe, you know, at this point, he's just ready to give up and is like, what's the use? Like, the this whole Jedi Order thing isn't working, so it's time for the Jedi to end. And maybe Rey talks him out of it and is like, hey, no, like, I'm here, I've got your lightsaber, like, Kylo and the First Order and the Dark Side is out there and we've got to fight it, and so maybe this is sort of a, a low starting point of Luke's character and something that, you know, is going to be part of his story arc that he has to overcome and regain his faith in the Jedi. Um, I think that's one possibility, but I also think given, well, first of all, given what we've seen in the trailer, um, I mean, just the fact that there's the shot of uh, you know, Ray training with the lightsaber, and you can pretty much see a, a silhouette of what looks like Luke standing there watching her. Um, it looks right. like he's definitely training her. I mean, plus the fact that, you know, he's saying, breathe, what do you see, yada, yada, yada. He's obviously training her in the ways of the Force. Um, so, yeah, it's not like she finds him at the beginning of the movie and he's going to be like, nope, time for the Jedi to end. Bye bye, go home. Uh, no more Jedi. Like, this is not going to be the end of everything right here. He's he's obviously still training her, and, uh, you know, whether or not it's as a Jedi, there is going to be some some Force training and some progression there. Um, but then also when he says, what do you see? And she says, light, dark, the balance. And then I'm pretty sure it's Luke's voice that you hear right after that saying, it's so much bigger. Um, and that was one thing, too, that had me really intrigued that I didn't mention the first time as I was going through the shots because I was playing it without the sound off so it wouldn't be, like, feeding back through my microphone. But um, Also, too, we mentioned oh, there was those little, you know, they're real faded, but you hear Obi-Wan saying, you know, being seduced by the dark side, and then you hear yeah. Yoda talking about the forest, so those little subtle audio cues they put in there when they were talking about, you know, the, when Ray's talking about the balance and the light and the dark. There's mm-hmm. another cool little aspect in there. Yeah, definitely. Um yeah, I think when when it, she says the light, uh, you see Leia and you hear her saying, "Help, help me, Obi Wan, help Kenobi. me, Obi Wan Kenobi." Kenobi yeah. Hope. Uh, and then when he says the dark, um, you see the smashed Kylo Ren helmet, and you hear Obi Wan's voice saying, uh, "You know, he was seduced by the dark side of the Force." And then when she says the balance, um, you know, you hear that's Yoda. When you see the books. That's when you see the books, but you also hear Yoda saying, "Like it surrounds us and binds us." Um, or I'm I'm probably getting my Obi Wan and my Yoda lines confused there, but um, no, you're on. <laughs> That's what they said. <laughs> yeah, well, I know Obi Wan says it surrounds us and penetrates us and binds the galaxy together, but then yeah, Yoda says you know surrounds us and binds us. Yeah, that's what he says. Um, Luminous beings are we? Not this crude matter. Yes. So anyway, um, so yeah, where was I going with all that? Um, oh, but with with Luke saying you know it's so much bigger, I think. 
you know, whatever reason he has for thinking the Jedi need to end, I think it's not just going to be because of his recent failures and, you know, all the stuff that he's been through, but I also think this is going to get into that ancient Jedi history and the mythology yeah. of the Force that we're going to learn about. And, I mean, I'm trying not to get my hopes up too high thinking that this movie is going to be like a Mortis arc or something like that um, as far as, you know, origins and mysteries of the Force and all that kind of stuff. But I do think we're going to dive into it in a way that has never been explored in a Star Wars movie before. I mean, just based on the brief stuff that we've seen in this trailer. Um, and I yeah. think Luke has just learned and discovered some things that have changed his perspective. Um, and, you know, if you think about it, like uh, the other thing I'm hoping is that maybe we'll hear more about the prophecy of the chosen one too. And what does it really mean to bring balance to the force? Because if you're bringing balance between the light and the dark, I think it seems pretty apparent to me that Anakin did that because he wiped out the Jedi and then he wiped out the Sith and left, you know, just Luke as sort of, you know, this lone Jedi protector. Um, but like if Luke brings up a whole new generation of Jedi order, but there's no darkness for them to fight against, then, you know, that's not really a balance between the light and the dark. That's, I mean, I don't know if you can have too much light, but you kind of saw how complacent and impotent the last Jedi Order became when they thought the Sith had been extinct for a thousand years and they were kind of just sitting around protecting the galaxy from smugglers and pirates. And Palpatine was able to pull the rug out from under him without them ever knowing he was right there under their nose the whole time. So I think Luke is going to have a really interesting perspective on all this. Um, given, you know, everything he's seen, everything he's learned... Uh, you know, some ancient history stuff that he's probably gotten into from being on this planet that, of course, we know, um, at least from the rumors that Han Solo talks about in The Force Awakens as being the location of the first Jedi Temple. Um, and, you know, right. so so when he says it's time for the Jedi to end, I don't think that necessarily means, like, you know, we hang up our lightsabers and our cloaks and we stop using the Force forever. Um, you know, I've heard yeah. a lot of people theorize that maybe he's going to become a gray Jedi, which... I don't think is I mean if that's true I don't think they're going to call him that in the movie like I don't even know if no. the idea of gray jedi is canon but we've definitely never heard that name used in the movie before um but I think it would be kind of silly to be like hey we're going to stop being jedi and instead be gray jedi yeah <laughs> um but you know something where you know maybe it's like we stop differentiating between light side and dark side and just use the force um and you know still use our judgment as far as right and wrong and you know try to stop evil uh you know when it's necessary and when it rises up but you know not necessarily stick to this super strict code of uh you know, only light and no darkness and no attachments and, you know, counsel and order and blah, 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 blah. Um, you know, I, I think it seems like he could be heading towards a, a much more sort of sh loose, uh, you know, even a more Qui-Gon Jinn type of mentality of just, you know, be open to the living force and live in the moment and, you know, do what you need to do and what feels right and listen to the, what the force is telling you. So, um, I mean, there's a lot of cool possibilities there. I, I can't wait to find out more, and I'm not going to pretend to know, you know, exactly what he's talking about here. Um, you know, like you said, Jason, it's like if he is planning to end the Jedi, what's he going to replace it with? Because um, I think, uh, 
Well, I mean, it kind of depends, too, on if they're going to continue the saga films after episode nine, because we still don't know kind of what the status of that is, because it's hard to imagine, you know, more movies in the main Skywalker saga without force wielding, lightsaber wielding, you know, heroes and villains. But, you know, I, I do think it would be interesting if they said, OK, let's do away with this whole Jedi Order concept and create something new. Um, I think that has a lot of potential. I mean, as much as I love the Jedi, like even if they ended it, it's always going to be part of the lore of Star Wars. Um, and it's not like, you know, again, like I said, it's not like Luke is going to just stop using the force. Like it, it obviously would just move in the direction of some other kind of new, um, you know, heroes that are still, you know, spiritual and have that, um, mystical essence about them and they'd be you know using and exploring the force and we'd you know get to see some some cool new stuff there but um you know i at the same time you know if they want to move away from just the jedi order as we know it and you know sort of that whole concept like i'm definitely willing to give it a shot and see where they take it i just have no idea where that would be but i'm going along for the ride and i can't wait to find out yeah and i'm kind of in agreement with you there kyle where i think and I hope that's maybe where they are going to go, where they put an end to the Jedi Order and it, they start something new. Because just from a story standpoint, I think it'd be a little repetitive if, you know, Luke thinks it's time for the Jedi to end. But then Rey convinces him, no, you know, the Jedi did good. Like, let's bring it back up. And it's almost like you got to have the title Return of the Jedi again for Episode 9. <laughs> like, are we going to do that again where we know they got wiped out? Luke tried to bring him back. That didn't work. Luke comes to a new understanding where... He thinks, you know, the best uh, thing for the galaxy would be for the Jedi Order to end. But nope, then he later has a change of heart. Race convinces him to, you know, let's bring the Jedi Order back for another, a second time. So yeah. if episode eight, repetitive. the last Jedi, and then episode nine. Oh, JK, there's more Jedi. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the new Jedi. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so I'm kind of hoping that, you know, episode nine or this trilogy closes the book on what we know about the Jedi. I mean, if they want to tell more stories with the Jedi for future movies, there's tons of history they can go back and take, tell stories in from its history. The other, the other possibility that I've considered is the fact that this line could be something along the lines of it's time for the Jedi to end uh, in the way that it once was, you know, mm -hmm. and, and that he could be completely restructuring the Jedi to be much more of a you know wandering samurai type of order rather than an established order you know much in the line of like a the the Catholic Church was you know like yeah. we saw in the prequel trilogy you know we could have more of a wandering samurai where they uh, you know they convene they train but they all you know kind of are on their own being guided by the force rather than an official order connected with the government in any sort of way so mm -hmm. um, we could be getting something like that as well yeah um, yeah. And I also think, I mean, you know, I was even kind of thinking about it in terms of like what Marvel did with like Captain America Civil War, where there's kind of the whole question of, you know, do we need superheroes to protect us from evil or does the very existence of superheroes invite evil to rise up and challenge us yeah. and you know, test itself against the heroes? And I think having, you know, a grand temple with this mystical order of jedi knights and there's you know thousands of them and you've got a council and they're generals in the army and all that kind of stuff i think that certainly um invites adversity in a sense and so you know that's maybe one of the things that lucas looked at and thought you know maybe we just shouldn't do this anymore um yeah because it's 
we know Luke comes to that conclusion where the Jedi Order just isn't working, knowing that yeah. what Anakin did and then what Kylo, uh, which we assume Kylo did in destroying his new order. So, I mean, he goes to Octo to, you know, as Han said, where could be the first Jedi Temple to learn about, you know, how, how was it first set up? What was the purpose of the Jedi at the very beginning? And maybe he comes to a realization where maybe it was started and brought up for the wrong reasons and like kind of what you said kyle it just brings about more evil even though it tries to protect it it's kind of like a beacon for that where as long as there's jedi there's always going to be uh, a dark side presence whereas whether it's the sith or in other dark side users trying to challenge it so maybe it is best for you know not to have just this big old order for that that kind of invites that evil to come but i'm just really curious to see you know and hopefully we get those answers we might not but what does Luke learn on Octo to come to that realization or even to, you know, how to move forward with it. Because I agree where it doesn't seem like it's going to be, you know, I'm just going to give up and not do anything. He's still going to use the force, but in what new way? That's that's what has me excited and intrigued. It's just the, the possibilities of what new aspects we can be getting into Star Wars. And yeah, maybe it might be, you know, a little weird at first to know that if they go that route and they do away with the Jedi name, but it springs off something new. I mean, just as a small example of the opening crawl in uh, the, the Force Awakens, the First Order has it has it sprung out of the ashes of the Empire. Maybe this is something that's going to be on the Jedi side of thing. Whether mm-hmm. whatever this new order is called, it'll be sprung out from the ashes of the Jedi Order. But exactly, you know, something similar but different enough to hopefully be something better for the galaxy in the long run. Yeah, which is why again, you know, I. I... I'm totally okay with the idea because you can't erase the Jedi from the history of Star Wars and just, you know, the fabric of Star Wars. And even if Luke ends the Jedi and takes it in some new direction, that will always be rooted in the the history of the Jedi. And, um, you know, like you said, Jason, it might seem kind of weird to be like, you know, have Luke be like, uh, you know, have Return of the Jedi and then Luke be like, um, you know, I'm a Jedi like my father before me. And then two movies later, it's the last Jedi and Luke saying it's time for the Jedi to end. But I don't think it's necessarily him saying, um, you know, let's not be Jedi anymore. But it's him saying, you know, what if we could be something more than Jedi? Right. Yeah, that's kind of right. what's got me most excited. So anyway, you know, very cool teaser trailer that we got there. Um, lots to discuss, lots to speculate about and get us excited for, uh, you know, getting to finally get all these answers revealed in December of this year. So, um, now let's talk about the last Jedi panel, um, which of course they, you know, capped off by showing the trailer, but, uh, you know, we just had to start with that because that's where all the really big, exciting stuff was. Um, but then also, you know, of course it was cool to have the whole cast and, uh, Kathleen Kennedy and Ryan Johnson and everybody on stage talking about, you know, the process of making the movie and, uh, you know, how things have been going on it. Um, and, uh, actually we'll go off of starwars.com here. They've got an article with just kind of 10 highlights, um, and things that they, that they talked about in the panel. And, you know, there's some cool new information in here as well. Um, a new character or two that we didn't see in the trailer. Um, but the first thing they've got here just says work continues on the last Jedi, but everyone involved is very excited at what's been done and what's to come. Um, and I mean, I don't know if you guys got this, but you know, to me, just sort of the overall feeling of, um, you know, sort of the, the vibe that I got from watching the panel and, and everybody that talked about it was that everybody seems like things are going well on this movie. Like 
every pretty much everybody involved is is happy with it, is excited about it, and really thinks it's going to be something special, which, you know, again, like, isn't too much of a surprise, because you wouldn't expect them to come out and be like, oh, yeah, this movie's going to be pretty cool, I guess, or, eh, it's not going to be that great. But, <laughs> uh, you know, I, I got a little bit more of a vibe than normal. I mean, even more so from The Force Awakens, and, you know, now that we know some of the behind-the-scenes stuff of The Force Awakens, like, they were kind of still scrambling at the last minute to figure out, like, what exactly they wanted to do with it. Um, but it seems like they've got more time for The Last Jedi. Um, I mean, I think they've been done filming for several months now, and they've still got several months till it comes out and so uh you know it doesn't seem like they got a rush for post-production or anything we haven't heard anything about reshoots like we did for rogue one um and you know it, it just i came away from watching this panel just very confident uh about the direction that they're going with this and especially with ryan johnson i mean kathleen kennedy was yeah. heaping praise on him yeah well the whole cast was um you know mark hamill said as long as ryan was happy i felt like we accomplished our goal you know, yeah. uh, he was my seeing eye dog throughout this whole process was, was one of his quotes. So, um, yeah, yeah. you call him God. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's true. <laughs> yeah. In fact, oh yeah. Cause, uh, who is it? Josh Gad, um, who, who is probably most well known for voicing Olaf in Frozen, uh, was the one up there moderating the panel. And he's of course also the one that's been doing the videos kind of trolling Daisy Ridley and trying to get her to reveal more information about the movie. Yeah. Um, yes. And so in turn, she, you know, roped him into hosting this panel. Uh, but Mark Hamill at one point was talking about everybody who was on stage with, and he's like, yeah, I'm up here with Olaf and Wonder Woman and God. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and my daughter. Oh, I mean, my, my, my daughter. <laughs> oh, yeah, that was. Well, and see, the funny thing, too, is, you know, if you if you know anything about Mark Hamill's personality, aside from just seeing him on stage as or on, on screen as Luke Skywalker, like. For some other actors, I think people would have read into that a lot and be like, oh my gosh, did he accidentally slip up? Or like, even if he was joking about it, like, was he trying to give that away? But Mark Hamill obviously, like, He's loves trolling to, us. Yeah, he loves to tease and have fun with the fans. And I wouldn't say this means that Ray isn't Luke's daughter, um, but it's just you can't take any serious information from that one way or the other because he obviously no. was just doing it to get a rise out of the crowd, which he did. Um, oh, he did. But it was just so much fun to watch. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, so, you know, they're they're still working on it, but it looks really good. Uh, Ryan Johnson was actually on set, you know, taking a lot of behind-the-scenes photos and stuff, and they uh, showed a lot of his shots, um, you know, up on the screen during the panel. It was really cool to see some of those. Um, so we're either going to get a coffee table book or a uh, a, a bonus feature on the Blu-ray of Ryan Johnson's uh, photographs from this movie i think a coffee table book would be awesome and on I think so. and on the cover they could have the shot of poe dameron sitting in the x-wing cockpit holding a coffee yeah. yes <laughs> yeah just released at the same time released the art of the last jedi they mm -hmm. go hand in hand with together yeah um yeah man it would be so cool to see all of those but uh yeah really cool to again know that i mean i don't know how like huge of a star wars fan ryan johnson was before signing on to this um i mean he doesn't seem like quite as big of a just pure fanboy as gareth edwards but um the fact that he was like man you know you show up to work every day and be like holy crap i'm working on star wars and like here's you know stormtroopers and the millennium falcon and stuff and he just decided you know what i'm just gonna 
take pictures of, you know, any cool thing that I see that I, you know, want to capture an image of, I'm just going to take a picture of it. So, um, yeah, the ones that they showed were cool, but I'm sure there's, you know, way more that, uh, would make for a really cool collection to see one day. Oh, yes. Um, and then of course, you know, they talked about, um, the legacy of, you know, Leia and Carrie Fisher, um, which, you know, of course we, we're not talking about the 40th anniversary, uh, celebration panel that they had um on this episode but we'll get into that more on our next one but obviously that was you know sort of something that was really um sort of felt throughout the whole weekend um you know this almost felt like a four-day you know public carrie fisher memorial um yeah both in you know more, more melancholy ways but also um in more sort of upbeat positive you know celebrating her life and her work kind of ways um and it certainly had more of that uh, sense to it here in this panel when they were talking about her just saying that you know you'll see a lot of her in this movie that you know she had finished her work on it um, and you know that uh, basically just everybody you know who talked about her talking about just how uh, how memorable the experience was um, you know just how wonderful she was to work with and uh, you know Ryan Johnson even talked about um, working on the script with her um, because you know, Carrie Fisher was also a writer and, um, actually, you know, worked on, uh, scripts in Hollywood and stuff. And so, uh, she actually helped, you know, come up with some of Leia's dialogue and things like that. And he talked about, you know, how he just, you know, cherished those memories of them just artistically collaborating together and that kind of stuff. So that was really nice to hear. Um, and then of course, talking about Ray's story, um, you know, again, this is where they, you know, got, cagey with the details um but <laughs> you know i mean they did say that this movie will definitely address her parentage which is you know of course is the big question on everybody's mind um of course now the big dad asked several questions back to back to back that she pointedly did not answer yeah about her her last name so. Yeah, well, he said, are you and Luke related by blood? Are you a Skywalker? Who doesn't know their own last name? Are you like the Madonna yeah. of Jakku? <laughs> yes. Um, At least he tried, yeah. <laughs> yeah, and of course, I mean, I don't think anybody has said for certain if we're actually going to find out who Ray's parents are in this movie, but, um, you know, it definitely is something that will come up in the story, something that's important and that will be addressed um, I mean, I saw another interview with Kathleen Kennedy on like ABC News or something where they were like, is it really even that important to the story or is it just something that fans are making a huge deal out of like because they don't know? And she's like, oh, no, it's definitely important to the story. And, you know, we'll reveal more information about that. You know, whether you actually find out in this movie or the next movie, I can't tell you. But, you know, it, it definitely will be something to focus on. Yeah, um, I really hope it's this movie. <laughs> yeah. We could take another two years of speculating. <laughs> yeah, I hope so too. I mean, the funny thing too, though, is you know, again, like going into this, the big questions on everybody's mind were who were Ray's parents and who was Snoke. And now it's like all we've heard since the panel and the trailer is why does Luke want to end the Jedi? Right. You know, what does this all mean? <laughs> Yeah, just another thing to add. <laughs> Let's oh, lose yes. our minds over and stress out. Another right? question <laughs> that needs answering. Yeah. Yep. Which questions? Questions that need answering. From uh. some of the things we've heard. <laughs> okay, Gandalf. <laughs> I'm glad I got of that, thought of that that quickly because I'm like, what Star Wars character was that? Oh wait, it's Gandalf. But yeah, different universe. Still an awesome one, but a different one. Um. Anyway, what was I going to say with that? 
I don't know. I don't remember. Oh, no, I was just going to say, like, I, I'm, I'm starting to get the feeling, too, that, like, even though we'll probably get the answers to some of our questions in this movie, that it'll probably create twice as many questions heading into uh, episode oh, yeah. nine. Um, <laughs> so, man, I can't imagine that weight. It's going to drive us nuts. Um, then, of course, they talked about BB-8, had to roll him out on stage again. Um, you know, the fans never love him. Old. Yeah, how can you not <laughs> love BB-8? Um, and, of course, they talked about... Uh, you know how he's gonna you know still have a lot of screen time in the movie they said they played up even more of like the physical comedy and just showing off his different features and stuff like that um and that ryan johnson said i forget if it was no i think he said it was like the editors on the force awakens that you know gave him one piece of advice coming into direct episode nine yes. or episode eight and that it was you can't have too much bb8 yep that was that was the quote so and they followed that uh that advice to a t sounds like it so. um yeah, so expect more lighter thumbs up and and, and those kind of fun things. Um, I love it. And then, of course, Finn will be back as well. Um, and John Boyega was, you know, talking about him a little bit, um, how obviously things didn't end so great for him in The Force Awakens. But, you know, he'll be in the re- be in recovery at the start of this movie and then, uh, you know, just kind of have to come back better and stronger and figure out where he wants to go from here. Um, and, uh, you know, of course, we've talked about before some of the rumors around that and whatnot, but... Um, should be you know interesting to see where his character goes from here um now that the lid is off the force awakens and everyone's not expecting him to be the one that's you know the new jedi protagonist yeah <laughs> it's like okay well now what does he do um right but they also talked about um kind of the state of the galaxy in this movie which you know again i hope they go into actually in the movie itself more than um sort of how it was addressed in the force awakens but um see this is something that i also think is going to be in the opening crawl and you know something that they can do a lot to set the stage with people are like oh well if it picks up right after the force awakens how do you have a crawl um well obviously we see where luke and ray are but we don't see what's going on in the rest of the galaxy and how the events of the force awakens have shaped things um but they said you know even though star killer base was destroyed that obviously the first order also wiped out the heart of the republic and so the whole galaxy is kind of in chaos right now and that um even though the first order doesn't have their big main weapon they still have enough force that you know now they're going to try to strike while the iron is hot and they're going to you know sort of capitalize on all this turmoil that they've created within the the republic and uh the resistance and everything and uh you know try to gain some ground while everybody else is figuring things out yeah um and and while they filled a complete hour for this panel what we just talked about and the next point we've got on this article are probably the two biggest amounts of information that we pulled from this panel. <laughs> yeah, um, pretty you know, much. It, First Order is is pushing their advantage, um, you know, starting in the, you know, with this film, because obviously, uh, like, like, like they said, galaxies in turmoil because the <laughs> heart of the Republic has been uh, leveled. Um, wiped out so you know it's we got to see what goes from there and and how the resistance is able to respond to the first order pressing the attack so to speak Mm -hmm. yeah and obviously i mean we'll we'll see how they respond to that because uh you know we've got at least a couple epic looking battle scenes in the trailer here um but yeah i can't wait to not only see like the action but um you know hopefully get more in-depth sort of context as to how this relates to you know, just the state of the galaxy at large, too. Um, but then, yes, probably uh, the the biggest, I don't know, uh, official story 
uh, element that they announced here. Um, it's a new character named Rose, uh, who's going to be played by Kelly Marie Tran. Um, and, uh, I mean, I think maybe it was Ryan Johnson who even said that, like, she is kind of the biggest new thing in The Force Awakens. Um, and they didn't have yeah. uh, Laura Dern or Benicio, Benicio Del Toro at the panel or talk about their characters at all. Um, but they did introduce Rose um, and Kelly Marie Tran, you know, was there and came out on stage with everybody. Um, and it sounds like she'll be, you know, a pretty fun character. I mean, they said she's just like a resistance maintenance worker um, and you know, ends up kind of getting swept off on this big adventure. And Ryan Johnson said, you know, one of the things he loved about the original Star Wars was just kind of the idea that anybody can be a hero, that, you know, Luke Skywalker was just this farm boy. Um, and that, you know, of course, he finds out that he, you know, can use the force and, uh, you know, later that he's part of this big family legacy with, you know, Anakin Skywalker and all that. But he didn't know all that right from the get go. And that really, you know, what made him a hero was just his decision to, uh, you know, to, to join in this rebellion movement and, you know, try to do something about uh, these problems that he saw in the galaxy. And so um, Rose is going to be another character kind of in that similar mold where she's just kind of, you know, just an everyday person who, uh, you know, ends up getting caught up in these big events. So um, and also they said that, uh, you know, she's going to end up going on a big adventure with Finn um, that, you know, is going to lead to a lot of stuff between those two characters. Yeah. Which which leads me to believe that, you know, Ray and Finn may not see each other this entire movie. I would not be surprised. At least, yeah, probably, oh, I think maybe at the end. I think Ray and Luke are going to get off Act 2 and then kind of maybe meet up with the Resistance somewhere. And then maybe that's where Finn will see Ray again. And, you know, <laughs> we'll probably say, like, how much has changed since they last saw each other. But I think they probably will at the end. But I, am, mm. I was surprised once they revealed Rose and they showed that picture of her that she wasn't in the trailer at all. I was kind of expecting to see like maybe one quick shot of her in that resistance base footage, but no, there was still nothing. And why? I, well, they said why she was pretty much going to be like the biggest of the new characters introduced. So it just makes me wonder like how long are they going to hold on to, you know, revealing Laura Dern's character, Benicio Del Toro's? Because I don't know why, when I was watching the panel, and then later the trailer, you kind of had to remember, oh, yeah, they're still going to be in it because you're just so invested with everything else that they're showing and telling you at that time that you almost kind of forgot that they are in there. So mm -hmm. there's still some more, you know, character surprises that we're going to be introduced to from now until the movie comes out, which is cool. Yeah. yeah well, of course, remember, we've got San Diego Comic-Con and. Uh... Yeah, that's really when they revealed, you know, uh, Captain Phasma and General Hux. I mean, we knew about them, but that was the first time like Wendell and Christie and. Uh, Donald Gleason were at a panel to talk about their characters. So oh, that's we'll do true. Similar with that. Yeah. Um, yeah, obviously can't wait to find out more and see more. And, you know, like I said, watching the trailer, it's like, you know, I got so swept up in just that question of Luke at the end. I was like, oh, yeah, and we still got to find out who Ray's parents are, too, and who Snoke is. And there's so many more questions aside from this one bombshell they just dropped on us. Right. Um, yeah, and then, of course... Um, you know, Mark Hamill was great to listen to, you know, during the panel, just talking about, um, you know, his thoughts on Luke during The Force Awakens and how he thought, uh, you know, that he was going to get more screen time initially. He was describing that scene, uh, reading it in the script for the first time where, you know, they have the lightsaber duel in the snow and he's like, uh, you know, Kylo knocks out Finn and then he reaches out his hand and the lightsaber starts shaking and then it flies towards him, but then it flies past him and into the hands of ray what yeah yeah <laughs> he thought that was going to be his entrance yeah and so did many of us so <laughs> mm -hmm. um 
but yeah, definitely can't wait to hear and see more of him in this movie. Um, I'm I like glad... how too, uh, Kathleen Kennedy kind of interrupted him and say like, you know, you're gonna have a significant role in this movie. <laughs> like, oh you're yeah, just trying to be a little too modest right yeah. now. Like, yeah, yeah. Kind of... Passing I mean, it to the new generation of characters. Yeah, exactly. He was talking about how, like, oh, this isn't really my story anymore, and yeah. I'm here to, you know, teach the next generation and whatever. And, uh, and yeah, Kathleen Kennedy was like, well, before anybody gets any ideas, let me just make sure we're absolutely clear here. Like, Luke is huge in this movie. Like, he's basically the main character. She didn't um, flat out say that, but that was kind of the implication. Yeah, so. along those lines. Um yeah, I mean, I mean, not necessarily that he's the main character, but yeah, that he has a, a hugely significant role in the movie, which I think is obviously you know, evident just from the trailer. Um, you know, we were all wondering, like, oh, will we maybe actually hear Luke say a word in the trailer? And, like, he's narrating the whole thing, so. Uh, it, the funny thing was is uh, when Daisy Ridley came out, and she was the first of the actors to come out, um, They uh, Josh Gad asked her what she was most excited for people to see uh, for The Last Jedi, and she goes, Luke's first words. Um, <laughs> yeah. So, right, well, she was asked, what do you think people would be most excited to to see or hear in The for- in, uh, the Last Jedi? And she goes, Luke's first words. So, you know, that was... Yeah. Well, and She's even though, wrong. you know... Yeah, even though we've now heard him in the, in the trailer, I'm still like, man, how is he going to, like, break the ice in just that first... Uh, you know, meeting between the two of them there. So I'm still very he won't intrigued. won't say a thing in the first scene. He won't say a thing in the first scene. Ray will say hi, and he'll just look at her. Uh, this is your lightsaber, right? He'll just stare. <laughs> he'll just pull his hood back up and turn back around and just keep staring at the And ocean. she'll like, <laughs> I, I, I'm here to, to train with you. And he'll just start walking off towards the uh, the temple, and she'll follow, and then we'll cut to another scene. That's how it's going to open. <laughs> They're going to hold off as long as they can before we can hear Luke talk again. <laughs> we'll Man. get to 15 minutes into the yeah. movie and see if he still hasn't said a word. <laughs> yeah, that would so. be... See, that would be like if Mark Hamill wrote the script and just wanted to troll the fans. <laughs> <laughs> Very true. Although, I think after The Force Awakens, if he got to write the script for this movie, it would just be like one two-hour monologue by Luke. That That could be the other option, so... Um, All right. But then, you know, and of course, they ended the panel with the trailer, but also with this wicked cool poster for this movie. It's just got I mean, it's kind of a obviously a callback to uh, the original poster for A New Hope, you know, back in 77, kind of with Luke in that classic pose where he's holding up the lightsaber. Um, But this one, I mean, the the whole look of the poster, it's this deep like blood red with, you know, just kind of clouds and stars and stuff. And there's Ray standing at the bottom in the middle, holding up the lightsaber, and it's shooting this, you know, it's got this big bright blue flare and, you know, shooting the beam up. And then, you know, it kind of divides it right in the middle. You see uh, Kylo Ren's face on one side and Luke Skywalker's face on the other side. Um, both. And the looking... lightsaber slowly bleeds to red by the time it gets to the top of the, the, the poster, too. Yeah, so. which kind of makes me think of those rocket popsicles, but you know, <laughs> right. hope I didn't just ruin anybody's image of this oh, poster. You're, you're now now we're going to have a meme where she's carrying the rocket pops. She had the the fudgesicle speeder, 
Now we're going to yes! have a poster with her and the, the rocket popsicle lightsaber. Oh my gosh. <laughs> now I'm not going to be able to unsee that. I mean, I've seen the fudge popsicle jokes about the speeder, but once you put the two of them together, it's like, okay, this is now a thing. <laughs> now we're going to be looking for what we can make a popsicle in episode nine. Yep. Um, <laughs> yeah. Thanks, Kyle. <laughs> You're welcome. <laughs> and you stick yeah, a little poster is too cool for it for anything to ruin it. <laughs> it's yeah. hard to get a different idea in your head. But yeah. man, like it's easily one of the best posters the franchise has ever had. It's that good. Oh yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. And it's you know, it's very simplistic. Like there's not a whole lot going on, but just the the colors and the imagery and the the looks on the faces, it's just so stark and gripping. And I mean immediately after I saw it, I like downloaded it on my phone and made it my new wallpaper and <laughs> It was it's... my phone wallpaper for one day until the comic cover for the Captain Phasma comic got revealed and that took over. Ah, <laughs> uh, yeah. <laughs> well, while we're just about done wrapping up on the uh, episode eight topic, uh, why don't we mention that briefly? Because um, like you said, there's going to be a Captain Phasma uh, comic and novel uh, tie-in that is going to kind of bridge the gap between episode seven and eight. Um, and again, like I said, I know they you know, go right in from one to the other, but we still don't know how Phasma made it out of that trash compactor. Um, and yeah, that's uh, the big question going into episode eight, regardless, I mean, forget about Ray's parents and who Snoke is. How did Phasma survive the trash compactor and get off Starkiller base? And thankfully we're going to get the answer that September, which, you know, they're bringing back the whole journey to, uh, it's going to be a journey to the last star, the last Jedi, just like how we had journey to the force awakens. So we should be getting more books that tie in or have little, um, hints or like uh, connections to what we'll see in the last jedi so uh, captain phasma is definitely going to be one of those characters who's going to have a big tie-in which of course you know i'm ecstatic about <laughs> the comic is going to be the one that's going to delve into what happened to her right in the force awakens and how she got off a of star killer base so that should be cool and then the novel is going to be about i think a little leaning more toward the last jedi and setting her up for how she's going to be in that movie so yeah i cannot wait to get both of these <laughs> You know, if someone were to ask me, you know, what character from The Force Awakens you want a comic and novel right away, Phasma, of course, would have been my number one answer. I mean, we got the Poe comic going on right now. There's been some other like uh, novels that took place a little bit uh, leading up to The Force Awakens, like Bloodline uh, with Princess Leia or General Leia. But, you know, now that we're getting that stuff for Phasma, uh, knowing how under you she was in The Force <laughs> Awakens, I couldn't be more happy that we're going to at least in the book form, getting her more fleshed out. And then hopefully that will lead into her being more fleshed out in the movie. So yeah, I'm super excited. Yeah. We can only hope. Yeah. And I mean, I've said this before, I would think they've got to have not necessarily huge plans, but like plans to use her more in episode eight. If they're even bothering to bring her back in the first place, because you easily could have just said she was still in the trash compactor when star killer base exploded. Um, And I don't think they would, go through the trouble of bringing her back when the movie still, you know, already has plenty of other interesting characters. If she's just going to have the same, you know, 30 seconds of screen time that she had in the force. <laughs> yeah. Awakens. Um, yeah, this all adds to the hope that she'll be, you know, a much more prominent character in the movie than she was in the force awakens. Yeah. Of course. Also after seeing rogue one, I'm like, if Dr. Evazan and Ponda Baba could escape, uh, Jeddah before the Death Star blew that up, then now I have no problem believing that Phasma could have gotten out of the trash compactor and escaped Starkiller Base before that exploded. Because I have to think she's at least more competent than those guys. But yeah. <laughs> we will all find, you know, we'll find all that out in time. Um, 
Now, let's see, as we uh, move on to talking about Star Wars Rebels, um, you know, Jason, I know you got to get going pretty soon here. So we'll go ahead and talk about the trailer for this. Um, but just before we talk about specific stuff in the trailer, just, you know, one thing from the panel that, you know, I'll mention to kind of um, precede this is, uh, you know, of course, at the end of the panel, right before they showed the trailer, Dave Filoni talked about how this is going to be uh, the final season of Star Wars Rebels. Um, yes. Which, and, you know, it seemed like a lot of people there were, like, really sad and, you know, even almost surprised to hear that. And I'm like, you know... I don't know. It, it didn't come as a shock for me, and I was actually really happy to hear that. Not because I want Rebels to end, because I don't like it, but... And you kind of got the same sense from Dave that after the way the Clone Wars ended, like, he just wanted to be able to end it on his terms. He wanted to be able to plot right. out an arc for the story, for the characters, and right. bring that to its conclusion and not try to drag it out too long before it got, you know, ripped away from him. Um, and, you know, ended, had, you know, had to end it in a way that he didn't foresee or that was, you know, going to leave fans hanging. So, um, I think we're going to be in for a really great season. I think it's going to go out with a bang. I think there's going to be some really cool stories here. Um, but, uh, yeah, let's, let's go ahead and talk about the trailer. Well, I, I do want to say something really quick. I oh, go for it. was able to get into the, the Rebels panel i was in the the actual room um and the cast there uh they really do mirror their characters in the show the the cast really it, their relationship with each other is basically the relationship that you're seeing between the characters on the show it really is a family mm -hmm. and they talked about the family aspect of the show a lot um, there wasn't a lot actually discussed about the uh, season four uh, because they were talking so much about the relationships between the characters. And then uh, Freddie Prince Jr. Um, and Dave Filoni ended up going on for quite a while about the Bendu and then the episode uh, where Kanan ended up training Sabine. And so there was quite a long discussion about those topics uh, that took up um, – a significant chunk of the panel. So not a lot was actually talked about season four other than, yep, yeah, uh, relationships are going to continue to develop. We're going to see the family develop uh, more. Um, and then of course they revealed that Warwick Davis is going to be voicing the character Rook, which is Thrawn's Nogri bodyguard from yeah. the novels. So yeah, and that uh, was, which, that was definitely cool to see. Um, yes. And yeah, you know, it was funny because like you said, they didn't really t give a whole lot of new information as far as like story events, new places, new characters that we can look forward to. Um, I mean, they, they did. I mean, from what I remember, they did talk kind of a decent amount about season four, but it was all, you know, just each of them talking about their characters and like, where's Ezra going to be at in season four? Where's Kanan going to be at? Where's Sabine right. going to be at? And just more about sort of their emotional journey. Um, yes. And I remember, you know, Tia Surkar specifically, like, looking over at Dave the whole time, like, I don't know how much I'm allowed to say about where she's going to be at in season four. Um, but, um, yeah, I mean, it was still really nice to, you know, I, like, I just love the, the kind of in-depth discussions that they have. I loved hearing Freddie Prinze Jr. talk about, uh, you know, not only Kanan, but how he said, you know, 
the the Bendu is his favorite character on the entire show. Um, and he got major props from me when he said that his favorite lightsaber duel in the entire Star Wars saga is Darth Maul versus Pre Vizsla on Clone Wars. Um, I'm like, this is a guy that knows his stuff and a guy who likes the same kind of stuff that I do. Cause I mean, I don't even know that I would go so far as to say that's my favorite duel in the entire saga. Cause you know, I'm like, yeah, but you still got duel of the fates and battle of the heroes and you know, the two classic Luke versus Vader duels in the original trilogy. Like, I mean, it's, it's right up there for me with some of the best ones, but I don't know if I'd call it my favorite, but that is definitely like my favorite duel of the clone wars. Um, you know, everybody that's like, oh, the lawless insidious against Maul and Savage. I'm like, yeah, that's that's cool. But that's number two uh, <laughs> in my book. Um, but yeah, I mean, so hearing him talk about all that. And then, of course, like I could just I could I would watch a three hour panel of just Dave Filoni talking Star Wars. Um, yeah, you know, you, yeah, you you clearly get the sense that like this guy knows what he's talking about. He's he's capable. He's handling it very well. And he's also you know, not only passionate about the material, but passionate about the fans and just, you know, very well adjusted to all of this. And, you know, the, the more I hear him talk, I'm like, probably like my favorite people associated with Star Wars, it's got to be like, you know, George Lucas, then like Mark Hamill, and then I guess honorable mention to John Williams, because he's done so much other stuff. You don't think about him just being associated with Star Wars, but Star Wars wouldn't be what it is without John Williams. And then Dave Filoni is like right there on my list as far as like the people that I think have had the biggest like positive influence on just Star Wars content and Star Wars storytelling in general. Like he's just, you know, such an awesome guy. And basically like the he's like the George Lucas of animation. Yeah, to me, yeah. there's only two people you can really call Star Wars experts, George Lucas and Dave Filoni. Yeah. It's like yeah. a real short list. And it's because Dave spent 10 years working on it with exactly. George. Exactly. Yeah. And it wasn't just that he was working with him because he got hired to do a job, but he, he really paid attention and soaked up a lot of that stuff. Yeah, uh, indeed. Indeed. And I hope he moves higher up into the uh, hierarchy of Star Wars and has a lot yeah. more impact on the saga as a whole than just animation. So. Yeah, me too. I mean, at the same that time, said, there's, there's no one I'd rather have in charge of Star Wars animation, but um, yes. he even did which an they interview. Did mention, yeah, which they did mention that, you know, yes, Rebels season four is the last season of this show, but there is something else coming. Oh, yeah. Yeah, definitely. And, you know, we'll we'll talk about something else a little bit later that they announced um, that seems like kind of a, a smaller project. But, yeah, I'm like once Rebels ends, you know, there's going to be something else big to replace it, whether it's another animated series or another animated movie or something like that. Like, you know, with the success of Clone Wars and Rebels, you know, they are definitely not done with, uh, you know, Star Wars and the animated uh, storytelling space. Um, so anyway, said, let's talk about this trailer. Yeah, I was gonna say let's <laughs> let's talk about the trailer, um, which I think was really cool. And the reason I wanted to talk a little bit about the panel first is because you really get the sense uh, from this trailer. I mean, aside from the fact that it says right in there in the text, you know, like the final season, um, but this definitely feels like a trailer that's you know kind of teasing, like as you're coming to the conclusion of a story. Um, I mean, the the first half of the trailer is all flashback stuff to previous seasons, and Hera is kind of narrating it, saying, uh, you know, this was a simple story about a boy and a girl, um, and, 
you know, all these other people that they teamed up with to fight against evil. And, you know, we never imagined it would end like this. Um, and of course, you know, that's just a real brief summary of it. If you haven't seen the trailer, like, go watch it. Even if you're not a Rebels fan, like, it's just, it's really well done. It will make you want to be like, oh, what are these stories about? Because it seems really interesting. Um, yeah. And then, of course, it picks up with showing a bunch of cool stuff that we're going to see in season four. Uh, Saw Guerrera coming back, looking... With hair. <laughs> well, yeah, with hair, but also, I mean, looking like a spitting image of himself in The Force Awakens. Like, or Force you Awakens. You mean Rogue One. Rogue One, yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, that was really cool to see. U-Wings, uh, Yavin, X-Wings, uh, like you said, Rook. Um, you know, looks like he's going to be a cool character. Definitely, you know, seeing more of Thrawn. So, um, a lot of Mandalore. A lot of Mandalore. Yep. Um, and, I think the biggest thing in this trailer, as far as new stuff, that white wolf that we see Ezra riding on. Mm -hmm. And this is stuff Dave, I think they've been wanting to get into. Definitely in Clone Wars, or probably at Rebels at some point, too, because we've seen concept art of him, of Ahsoka and Rex riding on a wolf. And now he's finally getting into Rebels, and I can't wait to find out what the significance of that is. And there's some theories going on out there, which I'm buying into. I don't know if you guys heard them, where uh, we all know that Ahsoka's fate was left undetermined at the Trial of the Apprentice episode, but Dave did say we're going to see uh, we're going to see the results of that in Rebels again. We're going to see what happens to Ahsoka, and there's been theories going out that maybe that wolf is actually Ahsoka. Hmm. giving it to that idea of you know she has the life essence of the daughter in her when she brought her back to life on mortis and we know how the the son and the daughter are able to change into these creatures and maybe this is ahsoka's way of doing it too this is her power and she's manifesting herself in this new form as this white wolf and dave kind of hinted that too when he would talk about ahsoka's fate kind of saying where she may be back as someone new. He referenced Gandalf, how when he died, he came back as Gandalf the White. Oh, yeah. So those similarities there and those examples he's giving, it makes me believe that, yeah, that, there could be something to those theories and maybe that White Wolf end up, will be end up being Ahsoka. It's entirely possible. That um, would be would... like the most Dave Filoni thing ever. Yeah, uh, you know, it I mean, if, if you know anything about Dave, aside from just his work with Star Wars, like he's obsessed with wolves. That's why he made. He, well, and also, of course, he loves Plo Koon. That's why he made Plo Koon's clone troopers in Clone Wars be the wolf pack. And then, you know, he's got that wolf pack T-shirt that he's always wearing at like every celebration you see him at. Um, and so, yeah, I'm like to to take his most popular uh, and and well-known character that he created on Clone Wars and bring her into Rebels and then, you know, seemingly kill her off, but then reincarnate her as a giant Force-sensitive wolf? Like, yeah, <laughs> that's got Dave Filoni marked all over it. But at the same time, I'm you know, I'm not trying to, like, make fun of it or anything. Like, I also think that could be a really interesting idea. Um, and that was also yeah, something a... that was there were just subtle hints at all throughout the panel and you know kind of throughout the weekend just i mean dave wearing his yeah. shirt that said you know ahsoka lives question mark um and like, then for like a brief moment when he came out after the trailer was officially uh played before he showed us the first episode of rebels that shirt had an exclamation point <laughs> yeah rather than a question mark but then by the time he got downstairs for the uh the 
uh, press conference afterwards, it was back to the question mark. Yes, yeah, it makes perfect sense where he'd wear that T-shirt right after the trailer because he knows she's in there, even though the audience might know that maybe that wolf is her. But yeah, he does. And that's why he wore that shirt with the exclamation point revealing. Yeah, she is. She lives and there she is. You just don't know it yet. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, he's even said before, too, though, like, we'll s- probably see her again in some form or find out, you know, in some way what happened to her. So, you know, even if he changed that Ahsoka lives to a, an exclamation point. I don't think that's going to mean we're just going to see, you know, Ahsoka walking around alive and well, like, you know, everything went all hunky-dory in that fight with Darth Vader. Like, you know, I I don't know what the the implication of that is going to be, but I think it's definitely going to be something we're not expecting, unless this wolf theory ends up being true, because then, you know, some people would be expecting it if that's the theory that they're clinging to. But, um, you know, I, I think it'll be you know, definitely uh, seeing her again in, in some different kind of form. Um, because just from this trailer, even without the Ahsoka theory, that wolf, you know it's going to have some significance because there's that shot with Kanan and the wolf's kind of just going up to it. He puts his head on it and you see like these different like drawings on the walls. Yeah. Hieroglyphic stuff. So oh, there's just a lot to it where if you just throw the Ahsoka stuff aside, there's going to be more with the force and this wolf character, I think, than, you know, what's led to believe, which is, you know, being a creature that they're going to use to ride on and get to places. I think there's going to be some big significance to it. Yeah. And if yeah. it is the Ahsoka uh, connection, I I think it'd be a cool idea, but I'm just wondering if they would do that because I think it'd be a pretty, a pretty split reaction amongst fans, especially the diehard Ahsoka fans uh, are kind of hoping that they see her again, but it's just in another form. I'm just curious how that would go over amongst, you know, the fans of Clone Wars and Rebels. I think it would be kind of a mixed reaction. So it'd be interesting if that is the way they go. Yeah, I yeah mean, it would be. It, well, it could be, but at the same time, I mean, if you think about it logically, I mean, it's clear that she didn't win that fight with Darth Vader in season two. Like, at the time watching that, I thought, like, oh, well, she's going up against Vader. She's probably going to lose. And, you know, watching Vader walk away from that, I was like, that's about the, you know the best way I think that you can kill off her character without directly showing her getting killed and, you know, traumatizing all these young kids that look up to Ahsoka. Like, I thought that was a good way to end it. And now, you know, there's talk of bringing her back and stuff. And I'm like, okay, that's cool. Like, we could use some more resolution to the story. And I want to find out, you know, like, what happened to her and if she's still around, like, how so. But... I mean, to me, it seems pretty obvious that she shouldn't just be like, again, you know, alive and well and just the same old Ahsoka that we've seen before, because then that's still just going to leave more questions. Well, like, OK, now what happens to her? Um, so right. I, I think it has to have some sort of finality to it um, and an explanation for, you know, why she's not still around as, uh, you know, either as Fulcrum or as some kind of gray Jedi or whatever during like the time of the original trilogy. So, um but yeah, definitely lots of again mysteries and uh, you know questions to be answered there. Um, and again, you know, if anybody can handle it, it's going to be Dave. I think you know, even if it seems like yeah. that might be controversial, like reincarnating her as a wolf or something like that, um, I I trust him to do the story justice and you know make it interesting enough that even if that might be an idea that seems weird to you, that the way they pull it off might you know you you could suspend your disbelief for a bit and be like okay i want to see where they're going with this this is interesting like they did with resurrecting a certain undead sith lord um right (laughs) right 
yeah like so, i mean we, it's, we still don't really have a solid explanation of how darth maul survived with half a body for 10 years but i'm okay with them bringing him back on clone wars because of the awesome stories that we got as a result of that so yeah you know i i trust him to do it right yeah me um, too yeah now jason i'm sure you probably got to get going soon but um you know, and, and Tim, we can keep talking some more about the trailer and the Rebels panel and stuff. But Jason, with you having seen the first episode <laughs> of season four, which, you know, they, of course, they've done this for the past couple celebrations or whatever, you know, having a, a big like premiere screening of the uh, the next season premiere um, for the next season of Rebels. They didn't announce anything like that for uh you know, for this time around. Um, and I didn't even find out till like a couple days later. I think I was on like IGN.com and they posted like a spoiler free review of the first episode of uh, season four. And I was like, wait, they showed it. Um, <laughs> and, but then I, I thought back on it and I'm pretty sure that watching the live stream of the panel, like they showed the trailer and then they were like, okay, now let's show the trailer again. And for those of you in the audience, like don't go anywhere, you know, we've got something else for you when we come back. And I didn't even really give a second thought as to what that was. Cause I was like, well, I'm not there. I'm not going to see what it is, but I thought it might've just been some additional information or they were going to do a giveaway or something like that. And then they showed the trailer again, and when it was over, they just cut to, you know, the StarWars.com stage. Um, and then I was like, oh, wait, they were doing the season premiere screening after that? Man. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, just another reason why you actually got to go and be there. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, you get some special stuff. Um, I won't spoil it, uh, you know, because it, that's <laughs> – I might get in trouble. Um but needless to say, and I'm sure this is out there with some of the spoiler-free reviews, uh, but it takes place on Mandalore. The first episode is a man kicks off the whole Mandalorian stuff, and it's very much um, Sabine-centric um, as she's trying to live up to the responsibility that the Dark Saber gives her, uh, and the episode ends uh in a way that is going to really uh depending on how it picks up in the next episode uh the episode ends in a way that really 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 uh will have some huge ramifications for sabine um yeah, that's the thing that's getting me like uh, do i dare look at spoilers right now for it? because <laughs> everyone's talking about that ending and it seems like such a far away for the season premiere uh, it, it's one of those <laughs> things where you you know, the last it comes down to the last like two minutes and it just something just hits you and you're like, oh, crap, did they <laughs> just do that? And uh, it certainly appears that way. Um, and uh, that's all I'm going to say, uh, because I'm, I'm skirting the edge of, of actually blurting out spoilers that I, <laughs> I, I don't want to be responsible for. Um but it's it's a good episode. It's not something that completely blew me away on the whole. Um, it's in it's interesting. It's intriguing. Uh, but that last little bit there is is definitely one for the history books, um, and something that uh, I'm really curious to see what people think about uh, when we get there. So, yeah, I can't wait say, to see it for myself. Like, 
you know, unlike Tim, I don't think I'm going to be tempted to look at spoilers for it because I want to just like I'm very curious, but in more just of a sense of, man, I can't wait to finally see this for myself. I think either in the review that I read or maybe in something that I saw on Twitter or something, somebody described it as like, you know, classic Star Wars action with like an M. Night Shyamalan ending or something like that. And I was like, oh, what's that all about? (laughs) <laughs> would you say jason a lot of the mandalorian stuff we saw in the trailer was in that first episode there's a good chunk of it um yeah definitely there's a good chunk of it the the speeder uh you know sabine with the dark saber on the speeder is definitely in there um a lot of the stuff in the sandy desert uh with the mandalorians is in there um the mandalorians coming up out of the trench uh bo katan taking off her helmet uh, she does show up in this episode. Um, cool. Yeah, I was going to say, we didn't even mention that in the trailer. But, uh, yeah, we finally got Bogatan coming back um, after, you know, months ago, like, Katie Sackhoff said that she was returning as the character. I think it's a year ago now, actually. Yeah, it's, yeah. Been, it's been a while. but um, Before even season three started, and we were all thinking, oh, she'll be in season three. Oh, okay. Yeah, well, I, just, I didn't remember exactly when it was, but I just knew it was long before the actual Mandalore episodes in season three because yeah. I was thinking she was going to show up there. Um, yeah, but I, I was too, but that didn't happen. Yeah, but, um, you know, good to know that we're going to see her, you know, right off the bat in season four. Um, yeah. And I like how I, I maybe it was in this panel um, or maybe it was in some interview I read where Dave was talking about how he's kind of embraced the fact that you know rebels is like not necessarily a direct continuation of clone wars but that because it's all one shared universe that he gets the chance to um you know finish some some storylines and some character arcs that he never got to finish in clone wars just because of the way it ended and that was something that i was maybe a little wary of in season two like suddenly bringing back you know ahsoka and captain rex and hondo like all at once i was like whoa season two just feels like you know clone wars the really lost missions um but i i feel like season three did a better job of you know blending that of course you know with with maul and everything um you know i felt like season three really had more of a strong focus on the core rebel group and on their fight against thrawn and stuff but then also you know sprinkling in some clone war stuff there with like the last battle with rex and um you know of course the the maul story thread and all that kind of stuff so cool to see that that'll continue in uh season four as well yeah but a lot of stuff in this trailer really is pointing towards the creation of the Rebel Alliance and the how our heroes are involved in that. And that really gets me excited. That, more than anything uh, from this trailer, um, has me excited for, for season four of Rebels. Uh, mm-hmm. That's more my bread and butter from, from this show. Uh, you know, Mandalorians are cool and all, but I've never been a huge fan of them. It's, Jedi are my thing. Um, and you know how Mandalorians and Jedi get along, like not <laughs> at all. So, um, <laughs> that being said, uh, I'm really intrigued and curious and excited for, for what we get in the creation and the building of the rebel Alliance we see in rogue one and a new hope. Um, and how our heroes are involved in that. So I'm I'm super excited about that, and I can't wait to see how we get there. Um, one thing, one speculation I have after watching this trailer that I want to leave you guys with um, is Kanan tells Ezra that uh, they need to be the balance. Um, 
And we're seeing a lot in the trailer of what looks like a return to Lothal. Mm -hmm. And it was definitely hinted at uh, in, you know, towards the end of season three that they were gearing up for a return to Lothal. And then Thrawn got in the way of that. Um, I'm wondering if at the end of all of this, um, our crew of the ghost gets broken up amongst, you know, the galaxy. Uh, Sabine goes and is involved with the, the leadership of Mandalore. However, that ends up, you know, breaking down. Uh, Ezra and Kanan stay on Lothal as sort of guardians um, in a sense, uh, you know, like much the way that uh, Ben Kenobi is for Luke. Um, and then that leaves us with maybe uh, Hera, Chopper, uh, Rex, and and uh, Zeb left on the ghost by the time we get to Rogue One. So, Yeah, possibly. Um, see, I, I think Lothal might play an even bigger part in this. Um, because the way that they were gearing up for it in Season 3 kind of suggested to me that the whole end game of this of the series of you know the character arc for these uh you know for this particular group of rebels aside from just the formation of the rebel alliance at large is Ezra wanting to return home and liberate his home from the empire um yeah. and not just him and Kanan going back as guardians but like obviously there's still a big imperial occupation force there and you know they're not going to do much against them with just the two of them um and also Dave Filoni said, um, I think it was, you know, in, in one of the many interviews that he did, you know, kind of behind the stage at uh, Celebration, but this was, you know, just in news articles and stuff that came out, um, that they asked him, you know, is uh, this season going to lead directly into the Battle of Scarif and Rogue One? And he was like, no, not really, because, you know, like, we've already seen that in the movie, and for us to do it again on the show, like our heroes would have to do something really noteworthy in that battle that would be worth showing. And if they did do something really noteworthy that was worth showing, they should have just shown it in the movie. Um, <laughs> so we know that they were a part of that, but that's not really, you know, where the, the arc of this show is leading, which, you know, could suggest that the show is going to wrap up, you know, maybe right before uh, the Battle of Scarif or, you know, sometime before that. But I also think there could maybe be a bit of a time jump in there somewhere. Um, and I only say a time jump because, again, we know that the Battle of Scarif is supposed to be the first major victory for the Rebellion. So maybe right. then after that, while Luke and everybody are off, uh, you know, attacking the Death Star, maybe there's a different Rebel faction Um you know, led by the Ghost and, you know, Hera and Kanan and Ezra and all those guys, and they're trying to liberate Lothal. Um, and, uh, you know, I, I mean, again, it could just be a thing of, like, Ezra wanting to return home and, and try to help out his people, but I think it would be really cool and kind of a really satisfactory um, ending for the show and, and, you know, seeing things come back full circle to come back to where it all started and... Uh, you know, have Ezra leave home as an orphan with no family and come back with this family that he's joined up with and with this whole big rebel alliance that they've become a part of and, you know, kick the Empire off his home world. Yeah, that's a possibility, too. 
I think we're either going to... I don't... Re- uh, the only character um, from the Ghost Crew that I could see dying at this point is Kanan. Yeah, yeah I um, um, And I think... I think we're either going to have them start to split up and, uh, you know, go their own ways, you know, become mature and go their own ways, um, in a sense, or we're going to really reinforce and hammer home this whole family aspect we've got in the whole series. And they're going to be all together at the end again, you know, mm-hmm. um, it's going to be one or the other. I don't think we're going to have a middle ground. So, yeah, yeah. I think it's going to be, where they're kind of split up what you were talking about before Jason, where, you know, Sabine's off on Mandalore. I think Kanan's not going to survive the final battle. And Ezra, he probably does stay on Lothal to where it all began. And then uh, you're just left with Hera and Zeb on the ghost. And Rex is going to, you know, become that soldier on Endor who disguises himself as a scout trooper. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> Which I think is awesome that they're like really going there now. Right. Um, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I still need to watch that panel with, uh, you know, Dave and Pablo um, just yeah. talking about all that behind-the-scenes stuff. But I know they showed concept art from that of, you know, Rex in that, like, exact same costume now. Yeah. And I'm like, man, how cool is that? That, you know, not that a, a live-action character or a, an animated character, like, made his way into live-action like Saw Gerrera, but that it was just, you know, kind of retconned to there and actually, you know, lines up really well without feeling forced. Exactly. Um, You know, it's not like that guy is any, you know, a a character of any importance that they like made up a backstory for. It was just like, hey, they saw an opportunity to kind of connect the dots. And, you know, I thought that was pretty sweet. Who else would put on Scout Trooper armor than someone who wore it before or something similar to it? (laughs) Yeah, there you go. Um, But yeah, I mean, I I can't wait to uh, see where they go with this. I mean, they talked about how this season is going to have a lot more of sort of a linear storyline, like connecting all the episodes than they've done in the past. So I'm really excited to see how that all plays out. Um, it's going to be shorter too. I think they said 16 episodes for the season. Oh, so. okay. Did they? I, I think I missed yeah. that, but um, yeah, I think that makes sense. You know, it's still longer yeah. than season one, so it doesn't feel like we're getting shortchanged or anything. Yeah. But um, yeah. All right. Well, I'm going to have to start heading out, gentlemen. This has been a blast, but I've got to get up and work at an ungodly hour in the morning. So um, thank well, you so much for having me on the show to talk about this. So, Well, thank you so much for joining us. Um, you know, like I said, it was fun to just be able to follow along with all this stuff, you know, over the weekend. But I mean, it's fun having you on the show anyways, because we're friends and love talking Star Wars together. But it's also cool to, you know, get a perspective from somebody who is actually there and can, uh, you know, tell us stories about Dave switching the punctuation on his Ahsoka Lives t-shirt that none of us saw on the live stream or anything like that. So, um, you know, definitely appreciate your uh, your firsthand insight and uh, all that good stuff. Um, yeah. So before you take off, uh, you want to go ahead and plug the shows that you're on and tell people where they can hear more of uh, you talking Star Wars and sure. other well, things that you talk about. Yes, yes. Uh, if you want to hear more of uh, me talking Star Wars, uh, check out the Wampa's Lair podcast. That's the podcast I do with my good buddy Carl. Um, we've been doing it forever, and uh, we're actually going to be recording tomorrow night, as of you know the time of this recording, uh, our celebration recap. Um, I think more of our experience, and then the week after we'll be doing our breakdown of the various trailers. Uh, that's the plan so far. Uh, so definitely check those out. 
But uh, if you are interested in something a little bit more closer to the network here, the Thunderquack Podcast Network, uh, I am one of the hosts of the uh, Talking Time Lords podcast, which talks all about Doctor Who. And uh, Doctor Who is back now. Uh, so if you are a fan of the Doctor and his TARDIS or just curious about it, um, that's just started back up. Season or Episode one was just this past weekend, which I've seen and I'm very excited about. Um, and uh, so we're talking about that definitely. So check that out. Um, it's uh, Thunderquack or uh, TalkingTimeLords.com for all that. Uh, Wampa's Lair is Facebook.com slash Wampa's Lair at Wampa's Lair on Twitter or email at Wampa's Lair Podcast at gmail.com. Talking Time Lords is uh, Facebook.com slash Talking Time Lords at Talking Time Lord because the S would have just been one character too long for Twitter, apparently. <laughs> um, or, or just the website, TalkingTimeLords.com. So uh, check the, those places out. Yes, and those are fun shows. Um, hopefully we'll get to hang out with you and Carl again at the next celebration because you guys are just buckets of fun. Um, <laughs> oh shucks. And we need to get Steve Glosson back in the party too. We do. We do. Yeah. Celebration so. 2019. It's going to be a reunion of the old uh, C6 squad. We we need to do that. <laughs> yeah, we can only hope. But uh, you can only hope. yeah, first we got to find out when and where that is because they just left us hanging at the end of this one. But they yeah. did anyway. Um, um, we'll I, s- I I suspect it will be at either Orlando or Anaheim because 2019 is when Star Wars Land opens at Disney, yeah. and there's no way they're not going to have synergy in yeah. uh, those events. So, uh, which I will definitely throw money at. So oh yeah, um, me too. <laughs> now you want to talk about waiting in massive lines yeah you're gonna get it on both fronts at the parking oh, <laughs> well yeah. well what i'm hoping happens is uh the official opening of star wars land will be like a week or two after celebration and there will be a special preview event for celebration attendees only that would be an awesome and smart idea yeah, that i would, really want that to happen <laughs> that would be glorious yes we so, can only anyway hope. Um, right we can only hope yeah, but well, I got to get going. Um, thank you so much again for letting me uh, come on the show. Um, you guys have fun finishing your, you know, eighteen-hour podcast or whatever. This oh yeah, we'll be. we'll be here the rest of the night. As soon as you get off, we're going back to the last Jedi trailer and analyzing every shot. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure you will. No, but uh, yeah, thanks again for joining us, Jason. It's been fun, um, and we will see you around next time. All right, thanks, later, guys. Jason. All right, take care. All right, so, Tim, where were we on the Rebels discussion? Well, I don't think I've mentioned that one brief shot of a Death Trooper running through a corridor. No, <laughs> no, you haven't. <laughs> and, you know, so I was awesome to know that they're coming back. But also, too, like, he was running, but you see a Stormtrooper behind him as well, mm-hmm. which was like, hmm, where is the other squad? Or why is, like, this one random Stormtrooper following him? Because so, you usually just see Death Troopers with Death Troopers and not with any other Stormtroopers. Yeah. But, um, yeah, you know, it was weird. Like, I, I didn't pay too close attention to the differences, but, like, you know, obviously we saw Death Troopers with Thrawn in the Season 3 finale, and just from this brief shot, I was like, that one looks more like the movie version than the ones in Season 3 did. I don't know if you noticed that, mm. but I don't know if they just changed the character model a little bit or if it was, like, an extra detail on the helmet or maybe it was just the angle he was running or something, but I was like, that looks even more like a Death Trooper. Yeah. That's cool. Well, you know how they get 
each season looks better and better. So maybe it's just that is true. One something like that it attributes to how much better the quality of the animation is. Yeah, like I said, I don't know why it stood out to me so much. I mean, maybe it was just the addition of the hair, but the way Saw Gerrera looked in the trailer, like, really impressed me. I was like, you know, I mean, they, they really pretty much nailed his look from Rogue One. Um, yeah. But also, yeah, like you said, I mean, the, the animation, you know, just gets better every year. We, you know, we saw it with Clone Wars. We've seen it with Rebels. And even though it's, you know, this is a lower budget show, um, and I still wouldn't say it's at as high of, like, a, a level of production value as Clone Wars was in its final seasons. Sure. But it's still, you know, it's impressive. It's it's definitely good looking, and it's come a long way since season one. Yeah, that's a long way from those uh, Wookiee I Oh, <laughs> man. I thought of that right before you said it. I'm like, oh, man. Yeah, I'm glad we haven't seen them again. I mean, which is sad to say because I love Wookiees, so I never thought I'd say, I'd, you know, I'm glad we haven't seen Wookiees again, but I'm glad we didn't see those Wookiees again. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. But I got to say, probably the coolest action moment of this trailer was that shot of uh, a Hera like, flying that uh, Ewing and then just going at light speed throughout that base, like, inside <laughs> it was like really cool where she triggers a uh hyperspace right as she's going through the entrance of that base right there and you just see her zip by a bunch of ships and causing destruction in there i thought that looked really cool yeah man that was crazy like and of course i thought of um you know han in the force awakens when they mm -hmm. jumped to light speed out of the uh the hangar on the freighter or whatever you know with kanji club and all those guys and uh um you know ray's like going to hyperspace from inside the hangar like can we do that and he's like i've never i never asked that until after i've done it <laughs> i know anakin was the first one to do it too in season one of the clone wars and was that episode jedi crash i think where uh, anakin gets injured and uh, they have the hyperspace out of there with ala sakura and she was like I think kind of going against it, but they had no other choice to go to oh, hyperspace while in yeah. atmosphere. Well, oh yeah, that was from in atmosphere. Yeah, I remember that one. But like all these dangerous ways of getting like or triggering hyperspace, <laughs> like mm -hmm. it would be Anakin, the probably the one who started all with that type of you know taking a chance and going the hyperspace route when you're not supposed to. Yeah, well, except Anakin was unconscious during that, wasn't he? Wasn't it? Didn't he say something like like let's go into hyperspace? I don't know if he was fully unconscious. I haven't seen uh, that episode maybe. in a long Yeah, time, I haven't watched it, it in a long like time It would seem like something he either. would say or do. <laughs> yeah, I was wondering was if maybe Ahsoka it, said it. Or yeah. maybe it was, I don't know, maybe it was A-Love. Maybe it was one of the clones or something. I mean, it yes. would make sense if it was Ahsoka, too, because, um, you know, she obviously having trained under Anakin, you know, exactly. you see that influence there a lot. Yeah, I think I'll have to go back and see who actually said it. <laughs> yeah. See, but as soon as Jason leaves, we're already on tangents back to season one of Clone Wars. <laughs> Doesn't take us long. <laughs> <laughs> nope. But speaking of hyperspace, you know, I mean, we've been waiting for them to come and show up on the series, and that's a pretty grand entrance when you see those X-Wings. That reminded me of the shot we see in A New Hope where they're, you know, making their way towards the Death Star, and you see all the, all the X-Wings lined up. But mm -hmm. it looks really, really cool seeing it in animation for the first time, but seeing Hera as an X-Wing pilot, this makes you wonder, too, you know, because we know she's at Scarab. She's flown an X-Wing before. I mean, why is she at the Battle of Yavin, I wonder? So going back to those theories that we were talking about with Jason as far as where these characters are going to end up by the time the series is over. I mean, who knows? Maybe she will take an X-Wing to Lothal or something to help liberate it with Ezra. So it's yeah. just cool to see her, though, in an X-Wing. And that we're going to see 
multiple X-Wings in a battle. It's going to be awesome. Yeah, and it does look like this is going to be a different squadron. You know, it's not like she's just leading, uh, you know, Red Squadron, because these ones are painted green. Um, and, of course, we saw Blue Squadron at the Battle of Scarif. So, um, I mean, I don't know how many X-Wings and how many different squadrons the Rebels have at this point. But, um, you know, again, I don't know if this is still stuff that's going on before Rogue One, or if this is all stuff that's happening around the same time. I mean, obviously, it's got to at least start before Rogue One, because we're still going to see Saw Gerrera in it. Um, yeah. And actually, I mean, I would think we're still, you know, a year or two before Rogue One, because, you know, in uh, in Rogue One, you get the sense that Saw has been off on his own and, like, apart from the Rebellion for at least a little while, like, you know, they know where he is, but he's he's kind of distanced himself. Um, you know, obviously his his relationship with the rest of the Rebel Alliance is broken down. So um, I wouldn't expect that to be like taking place right after we just saw him in Rogue One uh, or in Rebels, I mean. But um, I'm I'm kind of hoping now that, you know, I mean, maybe just the course of the season will take place over, you know, a few months or a year or something. Or maybe there'll even be a time jump at some point. Um because I think it would be really cool to see, you know, maybe around the same time or right after the Battle of Yavin, uh, you know, have the Battle of Lothal and, and you know, just this big effort to try to liberate, uh, you know, the first Imperial-occupied planet that we saw in the series. I think that would be a really cool way to sort of circle back around to the beginning. Um, and also, you know, some cool resolution for the characters, too. And as far as what you guys were talking about, as far as, you know, where they're all going to end up, I... I'm kind of getting the feeling that they're all going to end up separate in their own ways. Um, Because I don't think Kanan's still going to be around. Like, I I can definitely see him sacrificing himself for the cause. Um, Especially if we're going to see Vader and Mustafar again. Um, Which I'm just speculating about. I mean, they didn't announce anything about that. But I think that could definitely be be a possibility. Um, because I forget it was either Dave or Pablo Hidalgo who, you know, kind of teased that like once the cat was out of the bag and we saw the the scene with Vader's castle on Mustafar in Rogue, yeah, in Rogue One that now like that could possibly be used again in other stories and that they had the idea for it back in season one like that's where they were that's what they were talking about when they said you know that's where Jedi go to die so um not that I like want Kanan to die necessarily but. Uh, if that is going to happen, that would be a pretty darn cool way to see it. Um, and, a, you know, a great way to go out. Um, Sabine, yeah. I think we're definitely going to was... see end up with the Mandalorians. Um, but sorry, were you going to say something else about Kanan? I was going to say, too, uh, regarding Darth Vader, how, you know, they didn't kind of... Uh, Dave Filoni usually does play coy as far as, you know, if we're going to see him again in this season, which I have a feeling we are. Just to kind of, you know, it's the last season, bring in some of the big characters we saw throughout the course of the series. And I don't know if it's going to be in that exact way that you said. Well, I think it would be cool, though. <laughs> we do see my Mustafar. Maybe that's where uh, we see the end of Kanan. But I just have a feeling we're going to see Darth Vader again in some way. Maybe it won't be for very long, but I think we're going to see him again this season. Yeah, I really hope so. I think that would be awesome. Um, and, you know, a, a nice way to send the series off um, by bringing back some of the you know, most prominent returning characters. Um, but then, yeah, like, I, I definitely think 
if nothing else, I think Sabine is going to end up separate from the rest of the Ghost crew because I think after last season, it seems really apparent that, um, you know, that her place is on Mandalore. Um, and, you know, I know Jason was talking about the whole sort of family aspect of the show um, and that this crew really has become a family. But at the same time, I feel like it doesn't have to be like a permanent family. Um, and even to get all metaphorical and you know life lessons here and stuff like I mean it's that way with real life families too like I mean your family is going to be your family forever like you can't change that but um you know your your relationships change and evolve over time like obviously you have kids they grow up they leave the house like you know you're not all the same group of people all living together in the same place for the entire rest of your lives. Like people go off on their own, they start their own families and all that kind of stuff. So, um, in a way, you know, this, this family of the ghost crew could just be, you know, like a really important period in all of their lives and something that they go through and, you know, grow and learn from. And then, you know, it changes them, uh, you know, for the better and they learn from it and they go off and, you know, do their own thing. And I'm sure any of them that survive, like, you know, it might not be the last time they see each other or at least, you know, they might still be in contact or whatever. But, um, you know, I can definitely see Sabine, uh, you know, taking her place among the Mandalorians. I think Hera and Chopper are definitely, you know, just going to become mainstays in the Rebel Alliance. And while we may not get more stories about the ghost crew after this or even about like Hera specifically as a main character I think there is a lot of room for her to pop up you know from now on as you know just like a, a background character or a supporting character in any future stories set during the galactic civil war and you know I'd like to see what else she goes on to do for the rebels um or who knows what Dave Filoni's got up his sleeve. They could do another series set in between episodes four and five just about, like, different, ba you know, like a, a Clone Wars type show, but during the Galactic Civil War. Um, and Hera could be a main character of that, you know, having all these battles against the Empire and stuff now with a full-fledged Rebel Alliance. Um, Zeb, I don't know if he'll stay with the ghost crew or you know stay with Hera or whatever or maybe go back to um Lasan and you know do his own thing there um you know unfortunately I mean I like Zeb but I feel like he's definitely gotten the short straw as far as just the amount of focus and effort and and development spent on these characters like we know the least about him he has the least uh you know, arc to his character. Um, so at this point, I mean, the main reason that I can't see them killing off Zeb is because I just feel like it would be sort of like the least emotionally impactful death out of all the characters, you know, in the main group. Um, and I think, you know, Kanan could have a much more meaningful, you know, sort of sacrifice or whatever. And I mean, not to say they couldn't kill off more than one character. I mean, heck, look at the ending of Rogue One. But, uh, <laughs> you know, like Zeb would be, it would definitely be sad to see him go, but it wouldn't be like, oh, dang, like that was, you know, really meaningful or whatever. Of course, that's... I think it it could be if he kind of like sacrificed himself to protect Callus, and kind of bringing that relationship full circle where... That would he... be really interesting. Yeah, knowing where it began, <laughs> the first season, then we saw the honorable ones, and then... Mm -hmm. To Callus fully joining the Rebel Alliance, as we see in this trailer, yeah. and then maybe Zeb kind of doing like the final, greatest act of showing their friendship that 
they built over the course of the series of him sacrifice sacrifice himself for Kalos. So I don't know. Yeah, I, I well, think that could be a way where his death would be more having an emotional impact. And I was gonna say too, I'm saying this sitting here not having seen any of season four. I mean, they certainly have time where you know maybe we'll be surprised in season four and Zeb suddenly gets a lot of really emotional character development and you know has more of an arc um, that would end that way. And honestly, like. I see what you're saying, that it would be, you know, a, a really impactful end for his character if he sacrificed himself for Callus. but then I think that would almost, I mean, not cheapen Callus's character in a way, but, like, now that he's turned his back on the Empire and, like, become part of the Rebel Alliance, like, I almost want to see him make a sacrifice for this cause now, but I could maybe see something where... And again, like if they want to go dark with it and like kill off a bunch of characters, like maybe Zeb and Callus go out together, like they go on a mission together to, you know, infiltrate a Star Destroyer or something like that. And they, you know, bring it down from the inside and, um, you know, can't make it out in time. And they just go down fighting together and they could have kind of a Legolas and Gimli moment of, you know, never <laughs> thought I'd die fighting side by side with an elf. What about side by side with a friend? I could do that. I could do that. Yeah. <laughs> of course, Zeb would totally be the Gimli in that situation. Yeah. Even though, you know, you wouldn't think of like the Imperial guy as like the high and noble elf. But anyway, speaking of Callus, we didn't really talk about him in this trailer. Um, but yeah, he is full on rebel operative now, got a whole fresh new look and a apparently hot callus is a thing that's like a hashtag on twitter that people have been using and stuff which i was completely oblivious to until uh watching that rebels panel for season four but um yeah i don't know dave was talking about how in the episode where he you know gets captured and imprisoned like you know, he got beaten and, you know, they, they kind of did the thing in the animation where they have like one <laughs> strand of hair yeah. hanging down in front of his face. And it's supposed to kind of, you know, e even though that's like the most they can do with it in the animation, that's supposed to be his like disheveled look. And I don't know, I guess the ladies went crazy for it. Um, I like that we said too. Well, like that uh, little strand of hair costs us a lot of money. So you're not going to be seeing that <laughs> yeah. much more later episodes. Yeah, but again, he's got, you know, a whole new hairstyle and everything. Um, so, I mean, I'm, you know, I'm liking the look. I can't wait to see sort of what his new role is going to be, um, you know, as a rebel soldier now. Like, I, I think yeah. it would be cool to have an episode of, like, him and Zeb and Rex going on a mission together. Um, you know, just the soldier, cool. just the soldier guys of the group. Yeah. It'd be interesting to see him, too, interact with Saw if they, you know, come face to face, knowing how he said... Uh, his first one of his first early encounters with the Empire, the squad getting massacred by Saul Guerrero. That is and, true. And maybe that can kind of you know be a little bit of into the reason where we know Saul breaks off from the rebellion. Maybe Callus brings that up and you know just sparks the whole thing of Saul's uh, extreme methods, which Mon Mothma and the other rebel leaders don't agree with, and can cause Saul to leave, which we know he eventually does in Rogue One. So. Yeah, and it's oh. just so cool to think about when you when you brought that up, that mention of Saw from back in, what was that, like, season two? And I was like, man, back then, that was just, like, a reference where it was like, oh, hey, cool, I remember who that guy was. Yeah. Like, you know, it, it was almost more of, like, an Easter egg thing than anything else. And it was cool to know, like, oh, he's still around in this time period. Like, maybe we'll get more stories about him, but I never imagined he'd be in Rogue One and then, you know, actually showing up in Rebels and stuff like that, so... You know, that was pretty awesome. 
Yep. Hard to imagine watching those on the Ron arc that the like, character I saw would be have so much greater stuff to be told in the Star Wars universe from that one arc. Yeah. Which, and you know, it's funny because, you know, like, I'm kind of glad I didn't know that because if you had told yeah. me that back when I was watching The Clone Wars, I would have been kind of disappointed. I'd be like, really? Of all the awesome characters in this show, like, that guy is going to be the one to make it into live action? Like, not Ahsoka, not Cad Bane, not Rex, not, you know, any of these other guys? Um, you know, Pre Vizsla, Savage Press, you know, anybody else? But, um, I mean, seeing where we're at now and looking back on it, it's like, yeah, they, they planted the seeds for all this perfectly. Um, it's one of those things where it all worked out nicely in the end. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it wasn't originally their plan when they were doing the Clone Wars episodes, but it all worked out nicely. Yeah, definitely. Um, nice connective tissue that they were able to add in there. Just like Rex. Man, I I just think it's so cool that, uh, you know, that they're going for that, that, you know, it's it can almost be like a little Easter egg now that it's not just something that Dave Filoni like made up or that it's wishful thinking on his part that now when you watch return of the Jedi and see that clone trooper guy in there, you'd be like, that's captain Rex. Yeah. Like why not? Like what's the harm in doing that? There, <laughs> I mean, yeah. There's, there is none. Um, yeah. It doesn't take anything away from that previous character. Yeah. <laughs> whatever and it, was. Yeah. It doesn't take anything away from him and it doesn't add anything unnecessary like i mean it's not necessary but it doesn't add anything that feels forced or, or shoehorned in or anything because obviously that guy's like a minor background character in uh you know return of the jedi which at this point i mean rex kind of would be um you know even as we're going to be a few years down the line from rebels and he ages twice as fast as everybody else like he's obviously not going to be in peak physical shape by then like he's not the uh you know the awesome you know, battle-hardened soldier that he he once was, like, at the height of the Clone Wars, but it's, like, his his main story is past. Like, yeah. you know, the Clone Wars were his glory days, and that's where, you know, he was a main character, and, you know, even on Rebels, like, his main role is just kind of, you know, he's a supporting character. He's, you know, kind of the, the older veteran guy to kind of give some perspective to, you know, these young guys dealing with a war for the first time. Um, and it was nice to be able to like revisit his relationship with Ahsoka again and stuff like that. Um, so like, it's nice to know that he's still around and doing stuff, but obviously like Return of the Jedi, it's, you know, uh, Luke's movie and, and Vader's movie and, and Han and Leia and all those guys. And yeah, by that point, you know, Rex is a background player in all this. And so, you know, I just think it's cool to see that he's still there and still kicking and still, you know, taking the fight to the Empire, so. Yeah, it'd be good to know, too, that he would finally see a victory, you know, after everything that happened in the Clone Wars and Order 66 and how bad things got for him. To see a, his arc go all the way through to the end of Return of the Jedi, to see the Empire fall, it'd be nice for him to have that ending where, you know, he did see that the galaxy, there was peace for a little bit in the galaxy before he passes on, which probably wouldn't be too long after Return of the Jedi with mm -hmm. the aging the process being doubled so it'd just be a nice ending to the character i would think too yeah or that you know i would at least like to think he probably retired after that um mm. and especially you know if you want to get really in depth with it um i mean the rebels knew that the emperor was personally overseeing the construction like the final stages of the, of the construction of the death star so rex knew as he you know, was on the ground on Endor and looked up and saw that Death Star explode, he knew that Palpatine was on that battle station. Yeah. The same Palpatine that turned the clones against the Jedi, the same 
Palpatine who drove fives mad and you know got him killed trying to figure out this big conspiracy and everything yeah. like you know so i i can just imagine rex you know being on the ground looking up at that and being like yeah take that <laughs> see if that does happen we're gonna need a comics story or something telling the battle of endor from rex's perspective because like oh all that stuff man how would be so cool, cool would that be you know what once we get to the end of rebels i want to see that that would be that would be so awesome. Like, yep. and and you know how behind I am on the comics. Like, <laughs> you know, I'm I'm not ashamed to say I'm just not a comics guy. And not that I don't like them or anything. Like, I still keep saying, eh, maybe one of these days I'll get around to all these. Um, but just, you know, with, with novels and movies and animated shows and Battlefront games and all this other stuff, you know, comics are just kind of on the, they're, they're low on my priority list. But if there was a comic that just retold the Battle of Endor from Rex's perspective, I would buy that day one. Yeah, just make it like a four-issue miniseries or something. It doesn't have to be very long, but, you know, the nice uh, story of the last battle of Captain Rex, that would be awesome. Yeah. Man, yeah, that would be just so cool. Anyway, uh, how did we get on that subject? Oh, just talking about Rex and Callus and, you know, other stuff that we're looking forward to in Season 4. Um, I mean, I think we pretty much hit all the big stuff um i'm kind of scrolling through the list here yeah we talked about you know bogatan and the mandalorians dave filoni and his big wolf and um the other thing i guess we haven't talked about yet um you know with the ghost crew obviously arriving on yavin and this sort of being the new rebel base of operations for season four um the potential for rogue one crossovers is endless um yeah that's true well, okay, maybe not endless. We're seeing Saw Gerrera. We're seeing U-Wings. I want to see Cassian and K2 guest star in an episode. Heck, maybe... I think that's a very uh, good possibility. Yeah, I maybe mean, even see the episode where they capture K2 and reprogram him. Yeah, that would be pretty neat. <laughs> and I'm going, I've been thinking of the lines, too, where, you know, maybe Callus isn't going to be Fulcrum now since he's actually with the Rebels and according to the visual guide of Rogue One... Cassian served the role as Fulcrum at one point, so that is true. As in Fulcrum this season, that would be really cool. Yeah, it would be interesting though to see what his role would be, because I mean, the whole point of, I mean, at least to me, it seems like kind of the whole point of Fulcrum, both when it was Ahsoka and when it was Callus. I mean, I know Callus was like their inside man inside the Empire, but still, I mean, the the point of the Fulcrum agents to me seem to kind of be um this whole idea of like secretly sharing information between these different rebel factions that were out there and it's like hey to anybody who's listening if you want to do something against the empire here's the intel i've got for you whereas you know now there's like a united rebel alliance it's like why would you need to send all these coded transmissions as fulcrum when you could just come back to rebel base and tell everybody what's going on um but I'm sure they could still probably find some new way to implement it. Maybe Cassian goes undercover somewhere. Um, and, you know, maybe they have to go extract him or something like that. So, Yeah, I think the likely of seeing one more Rogue One character in the season, I think, is pretty likely. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And, uh, you know, again, whether he's Fulcrum or not, I think there's definitely a good possibility we could see Cassian. Um, and also even, I'm like, who else could could be in there? 
even as, you know, like background characters, you know, maybe like Pow or uh, Biston, um, you know, if they wanted to have some fun with some. Actually, I, I forget who I heard this from, but, you know, somebody pointed out, like, we should see Zeb and Pow together and see where <laughs> Pow learns Carabast. Yeah. <laughs> that would be funny. I forgot, too. Uh, I, think they, I don't think it was in the trailer, but it was in. Uh during the panel where they were showing some shots where they saw Guerrera of two tubes is actually. With oh them. yeah. Yeah. Dave Filoni talked about that in the panel. Yeah. Um, which is cool. I always like I like those character designs. Yeah. And actually one thing I noticed too, only because I was watching this on my computer and then looking up at the little, uh, mini die cast U wing that I have up on top of my desk. Um, the one in the trailer only has two engines instead of the four that you see on the ones from the movie. Hmm. And I'm going to like scrub through the actual trailer again, just to make sure I'm not off on that. I know in at least one shot, I saw that. Um, oh, and then there's the Hera and Kanan thing, which we can talk about in a second too. Um, oh, well, actually... So there was one shot of a U-Wing where it did have four engines sort of more towards the beginning. And now I'm waiting for the one at the end because I could have sworn. Yeah, yeah, okay. So there's a a second shot later on. And I'm pretty sure this is a U-Wing because I don't see what else it could be. But it's only got like the two bottom engines and so, yeah, maybe they're two different ships. Maybe Saw Gerrera's in one, and maybe Cassian and K2 are in the other one. <laughs> um, but anyway, the one other thing that people at the panel seem to be really into, and there wasn't a, uh, a Q&A like they've done in previous years, but you could still just tell from some of the things that they talked about and then some of the things in the trailers that got big reactions... Um, you know, there's a shot in the trailer of Kanan and Hera sharing what looks like, you know, at least like a serious emotional moment, but it also definitely looks to me like they could just be pulling away from just having kissed. Um, I mean, it's hard to tell, you know, but it's, it's interesting because for me, it's always been one of those, like, are they a couple or are they not kind of things in the show? And not because necessarily that, like, the show itself has hinted at that a lot or because I'm like shipping them or whatever the kids say nowadays. Um, but I read the novel, a new dawn before, um, you know, before rebels came out and there was a lot of romantic tension between the two in that book, or at least from Kane inside, he had like a massive crush on Hera and she was just, you know, this like sexy, young, confident, you know, twilight pilot who, had no interest in him and was only focused on like the rebel alliance and fighting the empire and only at the very end of the story did she uh you know not reciprocate his affections but just you know started softening up towards him a little bit and you got the feeling that this could end up being something down the line and jump to you know 
the fact that rebel the the rebels tv show takes place like five years after when that book is set i was like so they've got to be a thing by now right or they've at least got to address it like maybe they had a relationship and it ended and they just decided to keep things professional maybe you know they they're still together or whatever like i mean just because it had been set up in that book like i wanted to find out what the resolution to that was and it's been one of those things that the show has never really addressed specifically and you know it at times it feels like they might still be building towards that and at times it feels like they could already be married and they just don't you know they aren't telling us for some reason or another i mean there are times where Hera specifically calls him love um yeah and I think even in oh I'd have to go back and watch this again in one of the little mini shorts that they released before the show aired wasn't there some scene at the end where you know it's like a, a space battle on the ghost or something and then at the very end of it it's like it looks like Kanan and Hera are like about to kiss and then like Chopper busts in on them or something like that. Um, That's right. I think you might be right on that. But like I said, it's been a while since I've seen those shorts. But yeah, but something like that I think I remember does happen. Yeah, and so it's it's always been one of those things that I've... I mean, I haven't really thought about it much lately just because it hasn't really been a, a prominent thing on the show and I've been so much more focused on, you know, Thrawn and Maul and all the other cool stuff going on. But, um, you know, for a long time it was really bugging me, like, not because I really wanted to see it happen necessarily, but just because I felt like it was this dangling thing, like, guys, are we going to address the elephant in the room? Like, just tell us one way or the other what's going on. So it seems like we might finally get that resolved, um, or at least the fans in the room during the panel seem to think so, just because you could hear the reactions to the trailer <laughs> on the live stream. Like, you know, they just show this brief shot of Kanan and Hera just looking at each other and people go crazy. Um and they also went crazy for Hot Callus, which, like I said, I didn't even know was a thing until now. But, you know. Um, well, if they are going to address it and they do finally like, you know, share, share a kiss, it's probably going to be the last time they'll see each other. Kanan does indeed. Oh, <laughs> why would you have to go area. there? <laughs> <laughs> Just one of those storytelling I mean, elements. It's, it's going to be bad enough that, you know, I'm guessing he's probably going to end up sacrificing himself sometime after that. But if that was like the last time they saw each other man <laughs> yeah you know dave's gonna want to pull out your heartstring just you know as much as he could yeah, <laughs> He's gonna sacrifice them. <laughs> yeah i mean I, there's there's still a knife in my heart from the ending of clone wars which i mean that wasn't dave's fault it's just you know when it well it was partially dave's fault when ahsoka walks away from anakin and says you know just that scene where they're standing in front of the whole jedi council and you know, he offers her her Padawan braid back and she reaches out for it and instead just closes his hand and says, I'm sorry, Master, I'm not coming back. And I was like, oh, hit me in the feels. <laughs> but then a couple weeks later, when we found out the show actually wasn't coming back and then when I watched that episode again, suddenly that line of I'm sorry, Master, I'm not coming back. It didn't just feel like Ahsoka yeah. saying that to Anakin. It felt like the show saying that to me. And I was like, that knife that you stabbed in there, now you just twisted it. <laughs> oh, she should have said, I'm not coming back to TV, but on Netflix. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Or I'm not coming back till you see me again in Star Wars Rebels in like seven years or however long yeah. it's been. Eh, it hasn't been that it hasn't long. It hasn't been that long, yeah. no. <laughs> It was funny. I was just thinking about the fact that like next year, it'll be 10 years since the Clone Wars movie first debuted. And I'm like, 
man, really? Like, on the one hand, that feels like a really long time, and then I'm like, yeah, but when you think about, you know, six seasons of Clone Wars and four seasons of Rebels, I'm like, I'm kind of surprised it's only been ten years, because then, you know, there was time in between the two shows and whatever, so it's like, man, we've had, you know, a lot of great Star Wars stories crammed into those ten years. Yeah, when, after the panel was over, I sent the tweet out saying, you know, we've come a long way for Star Wars television since 2003 when all we had was three-minute shorts of Clone Wars. And I thought at that time that was the height of what Star Wars television was going to be. But then, like I said, 10 years of two really awesome Star Wars shows, six seasons for one, four for another. I mean, I never thought I would get that like back in 2003 when we're just getting those three minutes short so yeah it's been a great 10 years for star wars animation and the fun i think is still going to continue on with whatever new series dave is going to be working on down the line so oh, but yeah, yeah just 10 years of clone wars and rebels i mean i couldn't ask for a better star wars tv show it's been a great ride so far yeah absolutely um and yeah like you said i can't wait to see where they're going next um you know and dave kind of hinted at that at the panel he said you know this just felt like a good time to end rebels and we get to wrap up the story arc and you know i get to end it the way i want it to and you know complete the story but then you know that doesn't mean that's the last you've heard from us or you know the the last time you'll see anything start in star wars animation or something along those lines and suddenly people went from awe to really excited like and wanting to know what's next and he's like you know it's not the time for that we're not going to talk about that right now (laughs) but you know all in due time you know you'll find out all about that yeah, and um, even Steve Blue, I think, made a joke about it, like, wow, that, that was a short morning period. Like, yeah. Just wants to know what's next. <laughs> yeah, he's like, oh, we're ending it this year. Oh, okay, what's next? Yeah. <laughs> um, oh, that's Star Wars fans for you. <laughs> yeah, and you know what's funny? Before we before we wrap up on talking about Rebels here, um, of course, we should probably wrap up the whole episode here pretty soon. We're getting to uh, close to the three-hour mark, and I know we got a couple other things to still talk about. But, um, heck, what do you expect from an episode where we've got two new Star Wars trailers. Um, So we'll see how long this one actually goes. But um, just, you know, we were talking about the whole family dynamic on Rebels and how, uh, you know, Jason was saying that, like, just seeing the whole cast on stage, they really felt like a family and just kind of have this family dynamic. And I, like, I, I totally agree. Like, I got that feeling watching it, but I love the way that it's kind of organically developed. Um... Because I have to say, I mean, I know that was something they were going for from the outset with Rebels, but at times it felt a little forced to me, like in the earlier seasons. Like when you would have Hera bossing everybody around, or you'd have, uh, you know, Zeb and Ezra goofing off on the ghost, or, you know, chasing Chopper around or whatever, and it was clearly like they were going out of their way to make it feel like, okay, you know, this is the little brother, and this is the sister, and this is the big brother, and this is, you know, the dad and the mom and the the pet cat or whatever that Chopper's supposed to be. Um, <laughs> and the way that things have developed now, it, I mean, I, I still get that feeling watching it, but it doesn't feel quite so forced it doesn't feel like the show is trying to tell me like what role each of them fulfills in the family because i think they've grown beyond that like i think all of these characters have become more complex and more dynamic and there still definitely is a family dynamic among the crew but it's not like so clearly defined cookie cutter you know type roles as far as you know the mom or the little brother or whatever it's like 
you know, Hera obviously still has very, you know, maternal characteristics. And I mean, I think even in the panels, uh, Steve Bloom talked about how Zeb has kind of evolved from like a big brother to almost more of an uncle type figure. Um, as he's gone through some more serious stuff with like, you know, his people on Lasan and stuff like that. Um, and it does seem like in general, they've kind of just toned down the goofy antics, which I'm happy about because, you know, I'm always okay with, you know, some humor and some comic relief. But when you have a whole storyline that, you know, the, the whole catalyst for what happens is that, um, you know, Hera and Sabine run out of fuel on the Phantom because... Ezra and Zeb forgot to refuel it because they were chasing Chopper around. I'm like, really? That seems a little goofy for these guys. Um, so I like that they've gotten to a place now where, like, that that relationship feels like it has grown beyond just sort of stereotypes, and they've actually kind of earned those relationships now and sort of grown into those roles in their own ways, um, both as characters on the show, and I think you can obviously see that evident among you know the cast now too um i mean i think they had a great cast from the get-go and they seem to all you know get along really well but now that we've seen them after they've all you know been recording together for the last you know four or five years or however long it's been um you know you obviously see that you know they've developed closer relationships with each other as well so um you know but as always great stuff from the whole panel um i could rant and rave all day about how much i love you know just hearing dave filoni talk about star wars but hearing the whole crew talk about it was awesome um and of course lots of cool stuff in that trailer and i can't wait to see the beginning of season four when it starts yep hopefully uh, you know how uh for the season two they had the they aired the premiere that we got to see at celebration anaheim i think it was around june but then the season got started again like late September, early October. Kind oh, of yeah. the same thing <laughs> with this one they showed. Maybe do another two-part special. It would be June nice, or... except they didn't do that for last season, and they also showed the first episode well, of that season at Celebration. Well, that was a lot closer to That's its true. actual premiere. That was like in July. So, Yeah. But I, I also think we'll that the whole Vader-Ahsoka thing yeah. in the season two you know, premiere was a much bigger deal that you know got hyped up about and stuff. So... Um, which, you know, obviously the, this season and last season, you know, couldn't really live up to that, but I think that's okay. Cause you know, unless you're bringing in like Palpatine or Boba Fett or something, you're not going to match the hype level of man, seeing Vader and Ahsoka again, um, in a season premiere. So I like that, you know, rather than just have the premieres and the finales be like these big landmark events, like just start the season off on a good note and then you know, just keep some strong stories going all season, so. Yeah, this feels like such a long way from right now. Or yeah, at least I know. a long way from here. That's your <laughs> uncle talking. <laughs> but again, like I said at the beginning, just another date you just can't wait to get here when it comes to Star Wars. I mm -hmm. think that would probably be the first of one of the big things that we're going to get yeah. from Star Wars this year, so it's got to be a little more patient. Yep. Um, well, actually, this isn't the first thing we're going to get from Star Wars this year because we have another Star Wars animated project uh, debuting actually before season, most likely before season four of Rebels because this is starting over the summer. Um, and like I said, Dave didn't talk about any other future animated stuff at the Rebels panel, but this is something that was actually announced um, like the Wednesday night before Celebration started. And, you know, of course, we were all talking about it and like, 
man, if they're starting with big announcements already, like the night before celebration, you know we're in for some cool stuff like during yeah. the convention itself, um, which didn't necessarily turn out to be the case in just in terms of like big announcements. Like we thought we might get some more info on like the Han Solo movie or get a new uh, standalone film announced and they didn't really do anything with that. Um, I mean, pretty much just all the big stuff was... Uh, the Last Jedi and Rebels and Battlefront and that 40th anniversary celebration, um, and then, but you know, like I said, the day before we got this announcement of a new, actually 2D animated micro series, uh, just like the Clone Wars one you were talking about. Um, but this one's called Star Wars: Forces of Destiny, um, and this is going to be focusing on um, characters like Rey and Jin and Ahsoka and Leia. I'm almost like, it feels weird to point this out just because they don't mention it anywhere in the marketing, like the press release for this. But obviously these are all like the, the heroines of Star Wars. Um, it's going to be like Rey, Ahsoka, Jin, Leia, and Sabine, and other icons of a galaxy far, far away will take center stage in Star Wars Forces of Destiny, um, is just sort of how this press release starts off. Um, but I think this is going to be cool. I mean, it's talking about a series of animated shorts that are two to three minutes each. Um, it launches in July with, um, I don't know if it says how many of them, but like just sort of the first batch of these animated shorts are going to be just available on the Disney YouTube channel. Um, and then it says uh, a two-part TV special fe featuring eight additional shorts will follow on Disney Channel in fall 2017. Um, but they've got some of the main actors coming back to voice their characters. Uh, they've got Daisy Ridley coming back as Ray, Felicity Jones voicing Jin, uh, of course, Tia Surkar and Ashley Eckstein doing Sabine and Ahsoka, but also Lupita Nyong'o as uh, Maz Kanata is going to be narrating the whole show and kind of being the one telling these short stories. Um, but I'm excited to see what they do with this. Um, you know, I, I'm not going to say, like, my excitement level is through the roof, but that's just because I'm like, you know, I want to see what kind of stories they're going to be able to tell in these short formats. Um, obviously, like, they were able to do some really cool stuff with that original Clone Wars micro-series, um, but this one seems like it might be jumping around a lot more between the different characters and stuff. Um, but they also released, not like a trailer, but kind of a behind-the-scenes video talking about... Um, sort of the idea behind this and showing some brief like clips as well as like animatics and concept art and stuff like that um and just from that you know they showed some of the voice actors recording and stuff um and not only do we have ashley Eckstein playing ahsoka but matt lanter is coming back to voice anakin in some of her stories so i'm like man if nothing else more canon clone wars content with ahsoka and anakin sign me up just for that exactly <laughs> um and actually, they've got uh, covers for a couple of novel. or I'm guessing these are probably going to be, like, young reader books. Um, but one's got, like, Jin, Ahsoka, and uh, Leia on it. And then one's got Sabine, Rey, and Padme. So they didn't really mention Padme in the, the press release or anything. But, you know, maybe we'll see her on the show as well. Um, either, yeah, you know, She's definitely going to be in it, yeah. Yeah, either in an Ahsoka-focused, like, Clone Wars story or, you know, maybe get her own thing. Um, but... Yeah, I mean, and this is obviously from, you know, Dave Filoni and the same people at Lucasfilm Animation. So, um, yeah, I'm, I'm definitely intrigued. Like, and I mean, it's hard to get a sense for how the animation is going to look like in terms of just the art and the visuals and stuff. Like they've released some, um, you know, they've got a few like uh, still images here. Um, and I mean, it looks pretty good. Like nothing, it's like 
blowing me away, but I mean, it looks cool. Um, but you know, you always kind of got to see this stuff in motion to kind of get a sense of like how the animation looks and what the kind of style is that they're going for and stuff like that. Um, so yeah, like I said, that'll be available this summer. Um, along with, you know, they're kind of doing a, a cross marketing promotion, I guess, or whatever. Um, you know, there's going to be, like I said, books and then also, um, a lot of, uh, Hasbro toys and figures and stuff going along with that. Um, and they've got pictures of some of those here as well. Um, which almost look like, I mean, I don't want to say like, you know, Barbie dolls or whatever, but I mean, the, clearly you can tell from the, that feel. Yeah, yeah, from the toys, they're, they're definitely, you know, focused more towards young girls, which I think is really cool. Like if, you know, if I had like a, a five-year-old daughter, I would totally buy her one of these, um, you know, these figures that have like, you know, Ray and Jin and, you know, all that kind of stuff. The only one that I have a gripe with is their Chewbacca doll in this line. Just try again, guys. Um, <laughs> maybe they were basing it off the Rebels version. Um, yeah, I don't know. There's, it was just, I mean, that Chewie looks like he uh, took a blow dryer to his face and his hair is just all poofy and it looks weird. But other than that, I mean, the, you know, the, the toys look cool. The, um, you know, like I said, more animated Star Wars stories, like <laughs> nothing wrong with that. So totally. Um, yeah. I'm, I'm excited for this too. It was like a nice little announcement we got right before all the big stuff that we knew we were going to get at Celebration Anaheim. So it was cool to get that the day before, but yeah, more Canon stories. They did make a point to say all the stories that you'll see will be in Canon. It's going to be in familiar, you know, not only just the familiar characters, but familiar settings too. Like there's that one screenshot of, Leia on Endor where she's kind of hiding behind a tree looking at two stormtroopers facing off against two Ewoks and if I were a betting man I'd bet the Ewoks would probably take out those stormtroopers <laughs> right there, <laughs> there but yeah just getting a little more uh, you know exploring certain situations that we're familiar with from the movies because I think Ray is going to have a, her story at least the first one's going to be her with BB-8 kind of making their way to Nima Outpost, kind of their journey before they actually arrive there. So that should be kind of cool to see. Just little filling in the gaps and little scenes that we're familiar with in Star Wars. I think it's going to be pretty cool. And then seeing some characters interact with each other. I think they said we're going to see Hera and Leia interact on Endor, if I remember right. So that could oh, be pretty cool to see. I don't and even then, remember that, but that would be awesome. Yeah, see, now I don't want to doubt myself. I, I know Hera and Leia are going to interact. I, the only question is if it's in Endor. Right now, I want to say yes, but I'm, right now, I'm not 100% sure if I'm remembering right, but that would be awesome. So, yeah, there's a lot to be excited about this series, and if it's, and it reminds me of those uh, early uh, Clone Wars uh, shorts that we've got uh, back in 2003, and even though they were short, they were still great. <laughs> and like I said, that was, I thought, going to be the height of Star Wars television that I was ever going to get, and so it's going to be kind of cool to go back to that era where we're just getting short uh, doses of star wars stories and animation and mm -hmm. i love 2d animation too so i think it's cool they're going that route because uh, as awesome as you know clone wars rebels and other 3d shows or cg shows look there's just a part of me that likes that old school 2d animation still just <laughs> a little bit more i don't know why just maybe because i'm just more familiar with it growing up with a lot of 2d animated shows so i'm just glad star wars is kind of going back to that format as well so yeah i like to be excited for it. i can't wait to check it out yeah, see, I grew up watching a lot of 2D animated cartoons, too, obviously, but I have fully jumped on board, like, the 3D animation train. I mean, it is, 
Clone Wars spoiled me so much. Um, but I also got into some other 3D animated shows like uh, the Green Lantern animated series and Transformers Prime yeah. and some stuff like that to the point where now like I go back and watch 2D cartoons and I'm like, man, I miss the 3D stuff. Um, but don't <laughs> get me wrong. I mean, there's still definitely some great 2D ones. Like I still enjoy watching, you know, parts of the Clone Wars micro series every once in a while too. So um, yeah, definitely excited to see what they do with this. And also, um, you know, I, I think we should just point out like when Dave was at the Rebels panel um, saying that this is going to be the last season and then kind of teasing what they might be working on in the future, but saying, you know, we're not going to talk about that right now. They'd already announced Forces of Destiny. So I don't think this is the only other animated project on their slate right now. Oh, no, um, yeah. Especially given the fact that, like, you know, they're releasing all the episodes on YouTube over the summer. Um, and then, of course, Rebels still being on for another year after that. Like, you know they've got other stuff in the works, too. So, um you know, it's not like, oh, what are they working on next? Oh, just a bunch of animated shorts, man, that's it. It's like, no, okay, cool, we get this along the way, and then even more stuff after that, and I can't wait till we get to find out what that is. Exactly, yeah. <laughs> yeah, also, too, they talk more about this at Celebration Orlando in the Heroines of Star Wars panel, where that uh, Tia Sirkar, Ashley Eckstein, Dave Filoni, and then Daisy Ridley uh, came on stage for a surprise visit. So if you want to hear them talk more about the show, definitely check out that panel. I believe it was on Friday as part of the live stream, so... That's definitely there to check out. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and <laughs> it's funny Daisy hearing Ridley's, Dave... Daisy Ridley's reaction to seeing her Ray doll for the first time is adorable. Yeah, and then hearing Dave complain how he didn't get a doll or toy. <laughs> 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 hey, if J.J. Uh, Abrams can get his own Funko Pop bobblehead thing, I'm sure they can get Dave Filoni his own Forces of Destiny action figure. Yeah, now that you mentioned, I think a Dave Filoni Funko Pop would actually be really cool. <laughs> like, with Dave's hat and everything, he's made for a Funko Pop. Figure. Yeah, somebody get on that. Um, oh, and then the one other thing I was going to mention that I think was in, you know, it was like a brief shot of a, a storyboard or something in, um, in the little teaser video they showed for it. Um, and it looked like there was a just, you know, like a concept art shot of Anakin and Ahsoka having a lightsaber duel. Um but it was like the Clone Wars versions of their characters. So I'm like, I don't think this is, you know, like from the Mortis arc where Ahsoka turns to the dark side or anything like that. I'm hoping that I'm finally getting my story about <laughs> Anakin and Ahsoka sparring in the Jedi Temple and him teaching her how to use two lightsabers for the first yeah. time. I think, like, not only is that, like, on my fanboy wish list of stuff that I just, like, always wanted to see from Clone Wars, but I think it would make a perfect, like, two to three minute animated short side story. Yeah, now that you mentioned it, that would be the perfect time to tell that story <laughs> that you've been waiting for all this time. Yeah, so I really hope that ends up on there. Yeah, that'd be awesome. That'll just make me even more happy. <laughs> all right, well, I think that's about all the stuff from uh, this half of Celebration that we're going to cover for this episode. Um, I don't know about you, but my vocal cords are starting to hurt from talking so much. Yeah. Uh, but... <laughs> I don't know. We talked a lot, but I kind of felt like we didn't talk too much about the Last Jedi trailer like we usually do. That's how much. <laughs> yeah, well, we got and to. that was only because I knew that Jason couldn't stay on for too long. So I was like, let's not 
spend the whole episode just talking about the last jedi trailer but i'm sure we will come back to that on our next episode uh we're gonna have our friend paul herman come on uh he was also at celebration and uh had no voice this week so i said okay we'll wait to have you on until next week and we're gonna talk battlefront um and we'll also just talk about um that 40th anniversary celebration but also you know we can't have paul on without talking some more trailer stuff and i'm sure if nothing else we'll at least talk further you know speculation about what does it mean for luke to be ending the jedi and stuff like that but um now we'll get paul's take on it and and do a little bit more uh last jedi trailer analysis as well um but before we sign off uh tim i know you also put out some uh invitations for you know the readers or readers listeners uh because we're a podcast and not a magazine or whatever else i was thinking right there well they could um, be readers of tweets also so well, yeah maybe followers uh <laughs> subscribers whatever um unfortunately we don't have you know a, a podcast name that lends itself to having you know nicknames for our fans um yeah saga continuers <laughs> <laughs> yeah <laughs> gotta come yeah. up with something shorter yeah it doesn't quite roll off the tongue <laughs> yeah i was so jealous of jason when he was talking about you know you can find us on facebook at facebook.com slash wampas lair i'm like man that's so much easier than facebook.com slash star wars the saga continues i'm like i almost choke on that every time i say it <laughs> At least you're choking on that, not your aspirations. Ah, uh, <laughs> funny joke. <laughs> uh, yes. Well said. But anyway. <laughs> um. So anyway, yeah, I'm I'm gonna rest my voice for a second, and you can uh, read some some responses from the listeners or readers or whatever they want to call themselves. <laughs> Yeah, so we did get some responses on mainly the Last Jedi trailer uh, on Twitter. So uh, first off, we got uh, Paul J at JJ Farms 31. He just said there was so much to take in, so many questions, but it's awesome. And then Damien at Damien O. Damien says, love how the teaser poster is referring to the original New Hope. Seems like uh, Luke will be further tempted by the dark side, doesn't it? I'm also curious how they're going to involve Chewie into the story and what his role among all the new characters. So far, no info on that. Yeah, when he sent that tweet, I was like, oh, yeah, that's right. Chewie wasn't in the trailer. They, you know, showed a little bit of Luke in the shadows. They showed uh, the backside of Leia. And no hints of Chewie or C-3PO or R2 at all. Like, they have showed the classic character. Well, R2 was in it in that flashback shot. That's true. Yeah, that's true. But, yeah, no no 3PO or Chewie. But, uh, I mean, it very well could be Chewie flying the Falcon in that scene that we saw. Good point. Yeah. Uh, we talked about that before in an episode not too long ago as far as, you know, what's Chewie's role going to be now without Han? Is he going to, you know, just hang around with Rey and Luke on Act 2? Is he going to go back to the Resistance with Leia? So, yeah, it's going to be interesting to see what Chewie's going to be doing in The Last Jedi. So, mm-hmm. And then uh, Dane, at Dane Says Banana, who's my co-host on the Batfans podcast, chimed in on Twitter saying, I, for one, would like to know how much of the trailer you guys think will actually be in the movie. <laughs> and when he said that, I was like... You know what? Sadly, that is a valid question now. <laughs> and when I watched that trailer, it looks so a lot of awesome shots. But now, in the back of my mind, I gotta prepare myself. Maybe there's all aren't gonna make it in the movie, and I gotta, you know, can't be so heavily attached to what I see in the trailers now. So I'll be disappointed when they're not there, like I was for Rogue One. So, unfortunately, that's a valid uh, question to have <laughs> as far as these new trailers that we're gonna get, since 
you know, we have examples with The Force Awakens and especially with Rogue One. Yeah, I mean, even with The Force Awakens, there was some big stuff missing, like that shot of Maz handing Luke's lightsaber to Leia. And it's like, man, where was that going to be in the story? Um, But I, I really hope, I'm like, don't take out that shot of the Jedi ancient book. Yeah. Especially, yeah, with the logo. The, <laughs> yeah. Uh, now I'm worrying about stuff, so I don't want that. <laughs> yeah. No, I think, honestly, like, I would, if I had to s- speculate that anything might be on the chopping block, it would probably be the shot of, like, maybe that flashback shot of, like, Luke and R2 watching the temple burning, because maybe they decide not to go with the flashback shots, or maybe they just, you know, use that differently somehow. Also, unfortunately, well, nah, I was going to say, like, that shot of Phasma and the troopers, like, marching through the flames, that's just one of those cool-looking shots that I could maybe see, like, the marketing department wanting to hang on to, be like, oh, we got to use that for a trailer. But it also seems like it would make sense to be there in the movie as well so that already all that already happened with phasma in the force awakens trailer when we're seeing walking on jakku amongst uh, the village that was on fire that wasn't in the final movie either she just walks up one oh uh, yeah so it could be another casualty (laughs) yeah it's funny someone did though on twitter ask ryan johnson about that you know saying are we gonna see these in the actual movie and he kind of just says you know still editing (laughs) and didn't say one way or yeah Yeah, I mean, that's always the thing about, you know, releasing stuff this far ahead of time. It's like you're trying to appease the fans and get people excited for it. But at the same time, like, it's not really representative of the finished product because the finished product isn't finished yet. So it's not (laughs) like they're purposely trying to deceive us. It's just, you know, take it with a grain of salt because they don't know if it's going to be in the final movie or not yet. And again, it's like, it's not their fault either, the directors and editors' fault that we as Star Wars fans watch these trailers hundreds and hundreds of times <laughs> so yeah. we get so familiar with those shots and we get surprised when they're not in the Stop movie, noticing so. so many details. Yeah. <laughs> Just watch it once like any casual moviegoer does. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. But uh, then we got a tweet from Joseph Golden at CCStar1138. Where he said the last Jedi trailer felt mysterious and exciting to see. Star Wars Rebel season four trailer felt bittersweet but amazing. Two great trailers. And then Dylan Sparks at uh, Suburban Home says, uh, regards to the last Jedi trailer, loved it. Didn't show too much, just enough to get me excited. I could live without seeing anything else. Well, I guess until we get the first official trailer. <laughs> mm-hmm. And then Eric at uh, London's Dark says the trailer is perfect. It was mysterious, giving us so much fan fuel. The music was excellent, hitting all the right notes. Hashtag Last Jedi Rocks. <laughs> Didn't put that two together where you got the Jedi Rock song from Jabba's Palace. Just uh, last. <laughs> <laughs> Hopefully that is the last Jedi Rock song we'll ever hear because one of the worst musical cues in Star Wars ever. <laughs> yeah, that, I mean... I will definitely take Yub Nub over Jedi Rocks. Yeah, I will say <laughs> that. But yeah, those are the I responses I we could got take on it Twitter. It. So. <laughs> thanks for everyone for chiming in and sharing your thoughts on the last jedi you know what for at least from the people i follow and the responses we got on twitter it was mostly positive but then i saw articles from like i don't know kind of forget the exact outlet but it was a newspaper trade website that says you know the last jedi trailer disappoints star wars fan and they just take a few tweets from fans who are disappointed with like i don't think that's the general consensus among star wars fans yeah i'm sure there was 
some who are disappointed in it, but at least from the fans I follow and who interacted with us seem to be pretty excited about this trailer. So I think it's, you know, a little presumptuous to say that it disappointed all Star Wars fans. Yeah. No, I, I mean, I thought it was great. The main criticism that I've heard of it is that it was either really similar to the Force Awakens trailers or that there was stuff in the you know, like the the stuff in the trailer itself that's like going to be in the movie that seems like just rehashing stuff we've seen before, which in my mind, like the only valid criticism there is the shot of like the speeders flying towards the walkers. I'm like, because, yeah, we've been there, done that in, you know, the Empire Strikes Back and especially with it being the yeah. second movie of the trilogy and we had walkers yeah. in Attack of the Clones. So it's like, you know. Yeah, we've seen this before, but hopefully we get something new and cool out of it. Like, I don't expect it to be a carbon copy of the Battle of Hoth. And even if that battle does disappoint or just feels recycled or rehashed, like, the stuff I'm most excited for here is the Jedi stuff. The, you know, Luke training Rey, uh, reading the books from what I'm just going to call the Bendu tree, um... You know, as much as I love all the other parts of Star Wars, like, to me, as far as what I'm excited for right now, like, ground battles, space battles, Finn, Poe, all that stuff is icing on the cake for me right now because the main draw for this movie for me is Luke and Rey and finding out more about the Jedi and the history of the Jedi and the Force and why Luke wants to end the Jedi and all that kind of stuff. I could watch a two-hour movie just about that. Yeah, <laughs> just Ray and Luke on Acto, I would be, you know, fully engrossed with that. <laughs> yeah. Even if that's all we got, I totally agree. Hopefully, we'll learn how to pronounce Acto. Is it Acto, Acto. <laughs> we'll see. Luke says that. <laughs> yeah, see, I I call it a Octo. You you keep saying Act Two, and I think you're talking about like the second act of the movie, and get confused. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Um, but yeah, you know, we'll, we'll find. If that it was out. from Lucas, he would be calling it, you know the opposite way most people call it anyway just like he calls like Hoth Hoth or Hoth <laughs> yeah <laughs> Gungans Gungans <laughs> <laughs> yeah see maybe they can do what they did in Rogue One and just put a little uh you know graphic on the screen telling mm -hmm. you what each planet is except when the one for Octo comes up then put like uh parentheses with the pronunciation yeah <laughs> no see we're only getting that in the standalone movies not in the saga films did they say that for sure I'm pretty sh sure they did, but some were, you know, trying something different for the standalone films were because, yeah, I think they would have done it for episode seven if they were. Eh, unless they didn't think of it until episode eight. I mean, or I wouldn't want them to, though. Why, it'd feel weird if, like, doing a marathon and you're watching all nine movies and eight is the one they start putting, you know, <laughs> the, the names of the planets on there. That, yeah. That'd feel weird. I mean, I'm like, I'm fine one way or the other, because I, I agree it would feel kind of weird. But at the same time, that is one change I would not mind them making. Like if they suddenly started taking out the crawl of the saga films or something like I would be in outrage. But, yeah. you know, I'm like, oh, that's different, but actually kind of helpful. Yeah, let's keep doing that. Or they can go back and add the subtitles of the names of the planets for the old movies when they eventually do the nine movie box set. Yeah, they could. <laughs> <laughs> No, but yeah, you, I mean, you know how much people would love them going back and making more changes to the original of movies. Of course. <laughs> um, all right. Well, anyway, yeah, before we 
tangent right back into more discussion about stuff. Uh, I think you know, <laughs> See, we, we were making our way back to the Last Jedi trailer already. <laughs> exactly. Yep, we weren't done yet. I told you. Um, but yeah, thank you guys for you know chiming in. Uh, great to always you know hear more of your thoughts and perspectives on stuff, um, especially when we've got. Um, you know, new trailers and stuff to talk about. So, of course, for next time, we want to hear your thoughts on Battlefront, um, on the the 40th anniversary celebration. Um, you know, there was lots of great stuff there, and, uh, you know, I'm sure there'll be a lot of meaningful things to people on that one. Um, but also, let's go a little deeper with Episode 8. Um, so here's my challenge for you guys for next episode. We want to hear your theories and speculations as to uh, why Luke wants to end the Jedi. Um, or what does that line mean? And we might not read all the responses we get for that one um, if we get a bunch, because, I mean, like I said, we talked about a lot on uh, this episode, but, you know, if we hear any, like, new or cool or interesting ones that make us go, huh, didn't think of it that way, uh, you'll definitely get a shout-out. So, um, yeah, let's hear some more about that, too. Um, and I think on that note... Uh, Let's go ahead and wrap this thing up, Tim. What do you say? We're well over three hours now, and I'm sure our next one with Paul might go even longer. But, uh, <laughs> you know, we'll see. Um, yeah, it wouldn't be right if we had a trailer episode that was under three hours. I mean, come on. <laughs> oh, yeah. No, definitely. I'm, I'm not surprised at all. Um, but, uh, yeah, definitely great to have all this cool Star Wars content to talk about. I can't wait to talk about Battlefront next time because, man, that oh, man. trailer and that panel <laughs> just had me giddy. Um but yeah, we'll we'll save that for next time. Uh, so thank you guys for tuning in. As always, you can find us online at StarWarsTSC.com. You can follow us on Facebook at Facebook.com slash continues. Got that mouthful out. Um, <laughs> and you can follow us on Twitter at StarWarsTSC. You can send us email at StarWarsTSC at gmail.com and send us all your uh, Luke speculation and Snoke theories and all that fun stuff. Um, and of course, you can always uh, you know find all the other great podcasts on the Thunderquack podcast network um from you know jason and all our other friends over there at uh, thunderquack.net um so uh yeah like i said we'll be back uh next week you know we're not waiting two or three weeks before our next episode we i can't wait that long to talk about battlefront i don't know about you tim but uh, oh, no. I, I gotta come right back and talk some more star wars so we'll be back with a new episode next week um with the second half of our celebration coverage um but not to worry, we've still recorded half a podcast. Um, <laughs> see the kind of stuff that pops into my mind when we go three hours? You never know what you're going to get. Um, so, yeah, thank you guys for tuning in. Thanks again to Jason for joining us. And we will see you guys next time. And may the force be with you. See you next time, everybody.